1: Clark said the reason you left without saying goodbye is because it was too unbearable for you. Personally, I think that's a load of crap. Clark? This is the guy I work with. Maybe Clark's right. You know my, uh, Richard. He's a pilot. He takes me up all the time. Not like this.
0: doesn't need a savior,
1: but every day I hear people crying for one.
0: Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles podcast. I am half of your host, Perry Constantine.
1: And as always, I am the other half, Derek Ferguson.
0: How you doing today, Derek?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Uh, baking like a potato. It's, oh, uh, you got the heat wave over where you are too, huh? It's another 100 degree day here. Well, it's like 90 mm-hmm. something, but with the humidity, it yeah. feels like 100 degrees. So uh, yeah, so I'm baking like a potato.
0: <laughs> yeah, same here. Same here. The humidity in Kagoshima is absolutely off the charts, and mm. um, and yesterday I would only gone out for uh, a little bit, right? I had got and I and I was in my car the whole like I I was only out for like maybe outside of my car, outside of air conditioning for like maybe a total of five five ten minutes uh, okay. going to going to my class and then coming back, right? In that time, in that ten minutes of being out in the sun. My clothes were completely soaked through by the time I got home. Wow.
1: Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm telling you this summer in more ways than one, it is no joke. Oh God. No, absolutely not. This summer is no joke. I'm telling you.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, Oh, sorry. Um, So anyway, um, something else I found out uh, is, uh, did you see what's trending on uh, Twitter this morning? Mm -hmm. Or Today, I should say. No, what well, I probably did, but refresh my memory. Demon semen. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw um, a screenshot from uh, some news program saying, um, you know, Trump again defends doctor who believes in demon semen. I'm like, did you ever believe you live in a reality where you'd seen a headline? President defends doctor who believes in demon semen. I am reminded, I I saw
1: the comedian Lewis Black. He was on some he was on some talk show. And he was asked, he said, you know, well, what kind of comedy material <coughs> can you make out of, you know, this whole Trump thing, you know, the administra- you know, the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. And he said with a perfectly straight face, and all honesty, he said, there is no way possible I can make this shit any funnier than it <laughs> already is. And, you know, so he's right. <clears throat> Just when you think this thing can't get any more bizarre, it does. It's like 2020. It, this year. So help me. Our grandchildren are going to be asking us, how do we survive 2020? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They are. They can say, well, what was you doing during 2020? You know, you know, <laughs> what did you do?
0: What did you do to keep from losing
1: your mind in 2020?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, <laughs> I mean, it's just, and I, and I went on, on Twitter when I was reading about this, uh, this nut job yesterday and I'm looking at some of her tweets, like one where she threatens Facebook to put her, her videos back up or else God will destroy their servers. Patricia was up at four o'clock in the
1: morning watching YouTube videos <laughs> of this woman. She said she couldn't stop watching. She said it's incredible. <laughs> uh, I said, "Really?" She's like, "Yeah." She said, I "Yeah, I couldn't stop watching these things." She said, "This woman is out." She said, "You know, because apparently there are some videos where she comes out and she has a white lab coat mm-hmm. and she's talking like a rational person." Mm-hmm. And then she has the other video she does, where she's talking about the demon semen <laughs> and
0: the alien DNA and the and the demonic dream sex and all that, and yeah, yeah, and and, that, oh and, the, and, the, and the vaccine that's going to um, stop people from being religious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like she's a skip. Sca- but
1: apparently, the only thing that Trump cares about is that she endorses this stuff, the Hydra. The hydrochloric, the hydrochloric, you know, hydroxychloroquine. Is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Apparently that's the only thing that he cares about.
0: Yeah. And, um, and, and
1: she claims that she's cured a whole bunch of people. I mean, you know, using this thing and I said,
0: okay, well, it's very simple. Just produce the people that you cured. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah and I, everyone, I, everyone's asking her, well, where, where's your, and there've been doctors who have responded to her being like, well, show us your data. Right? Yeah. You, you've got the you've got this. Show us your data. Show us the the results of the trials and everything. What did what what control groups did you they're asking all these questions. And a response is always do their do your own research.
1: Well, see na see now I have to say you're full of shit.
0: Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm I'm very sorry, <laughs> but yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to say you're full of shit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um but other than that, you know, not much else is <laughs> Really going? On. i mean how can you compete with demon semen <laughs> really you listen enough said mm-hmm. yeah exactly just as uh, as the great late stan lee said um but uh yeah other than that you know um we're just uh we're still just kind of growing along with uh baby days and stuff we haven't found out the sex yet we're, that'll probably be like next month or the month after the doctor said oh ah, um, that'd be a surprise no, no, we want to know in advance. We don't. We don't want to be those people who's going to wait until the last minute because we want to. You know, we want to prepare, right? We don't want to have stuff like, like ready. We don't have to scramble to buy buy clothes for um for a kid at the last minute when we when we haven't known if it's going to be a boy or girl. Well, that's
1: true too. I mean, you know, there's a financial consideration. Yeah. In, I mean, you know, knowing so you buy the right stuff. So, exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. Also, um, you know, it's it's so funny because when I told uh my my fiance about that that and she. I asked her, you know, do you want to find out the sex before the baby's born? Because I I personally did, right? I wanted to know before, but I wanted to know what she felt. And she's like, she's like, well, yeah, of course. Like, she oh, thought it was, it was like, no question. She's like, of course, why why wouldn't you? I'm like, oh, well, in America, there are some people who like to have it be a surprise. And she's like, that's so stupid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, because, listen, I mean, you know, really, it is more practical to know.
0: before Exactly. Yeah. So you can yeah. prepare properly. Yeah. 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 It is more practical. Yeah, so we got a we got a registry up on Amazon and, and stuff like that now, so people can go in and um, they can choose stuff to buy, and we can. And, and I thought what, what I thought would do is like the orders would be reserved or something, and they'd send it later. But apparently uh-huh. they start they start sending it right away. So like we've already got some of the stuff delivered to us.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, good. Well, your house is going to look like a warehouse. Yeah. (coughs) Your apartment is going to look like a warehouse. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, we are starting to look at some other places. Like there's some, uh, there's some nice houses actually in our area that are for rent that are not that about the same or, you know, not that much more expensive than what we're paying now. Oh, okay. Cool.
1: Glad. Well, I'm glad to hear that everything is going along fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Everything's going good. So, um, so yeah, hopefully, uh things will continue going well and um, you know hopefully people will will buy all the stuff on our list so we don't have to buy anything <laughs> ourselves <laughs> <laughs> one
1: can o- one can only hope that people will take the hint
0: yeah yeah I mean I'm like I'm like
1: hey, hey by- just so you know I got this uh, there's yeah, also so- d- yeah yeah do Do not think, folks, that he is keeping you up to date on on this baby. Just no, 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 no. I'm saying I'm saying he's a proud papa.
0: I'm saying give my ass money.
1: Yeah, word. (laughs) Uh. Nothing wrong with a little creative. Listen, folks, if you if you've been enjoying these podcasts
0: (laughs) and you want to show your appreciation. Baby needs a new pair of everything. Yeah, word, <laughs> yeah, and um, you know what's funny? When we were setting up the registry, I asked her. I'm like, "Can we put a PS5 on this?" And she's like, "What? No." I'm like, "Why not?" And she's like, "Why were you putting a PS5 on a baby registry?" I'm like, "Cause I want a PS5." And she's like, "Why but not?" It's... She's like, "It's stuff for the baby." I'm like, "I'm like, well, the baby can get entertained watching me play PS5." <laughs> and since you will be stuck
1: in the house babysitting, you will need something. You know, you will need some entertainment, won't you? Here's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, the wife is going to be going out because, you know, some, mm-hmm. you're going to encourage her to go out and see her friends and socialize. Mm-hmm. Which means you have to stay and hold down the fort.
0: Well, especially because the, um, like, in, um, the baby's due in January. And, like, February and March is uh, off-season for me for work because most of the classes are out of session. Right there on their uh, semester break at that time. So, like, I'm going to be staying home most of the time anyway. So, I'm, you know, I'm gonna be... and you know what? The kid's not going to be awake the whole time. So, I got to have something to keep me busy. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm, listen, I'm sold. <laughs> I agree with you, wife. She's like, no, no, no. And I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, no. Women, women, you can't. Women, they don't, yeah. And you know, the women just don't understand they don't understand what's important
1: <laughs> they don't have their priorities
0: and just so just so nobody gets gets angry at us sends us angry letter so we're just joking obviously I don't care if they get mad i'm a grown-ass man That's what I <laughs> all right okay so um all that out of the way uh you know we talked last week we talked about a brian singer movie that had um that was uh that it was enjoyable but had some flaws that was uh X Men Days of Future Past, and um, you decided that'd be a good segue to pick another movie that also is flawed by Brian Singer, and that is uh, Superman Returns from 2006.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, and you hit it uh, right on the head because, like you said, last week we were talking about, uh, you know, X Men Days of Future Past, which is an enjoyable movie, but it's seriously mm-hmm. flawed. It's got exactly. its flaws, but it, you know, but uh, it's an enjoyable movie to watch. And during in the course of that, I had another movie picked. But then I said, oh, you know something? We should just jump right to another movie that fits that exact same criteria. It's an enjoyable movie, but it's seriously flawed, mm-hmm. which is Superman Returns.
0: Absolutely, yeah. <clears throat> All right, so um, for anyone who doesn't remember about this movie, this is... Brian Singer did something interesting with this because instead of doing... A remake or a reboot he went to warner brothers and he said i want to do a sequel to richard donner's first two superman movies so this and that was that was surprising for a lot of people um like nobody really expected someone to go that route because this was this was before like the the trend of doing sequels to movies that came out like 20 30 years ago but now it, it did kind of start that trend because then you had like um Stallone coming back to Rocky and Rambo and um uh you know Schwarzenegger coming back to the Terminator and stuff like that, but yeah, yeah, nobody had ever this was yeah, this was a radical
1: kind of idea because uh everybody figured that well he was gonna make like a whole brand new version mm-hmm. of Superman, you know this is gonna be a brand new version go to and he said, no, 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 he's just he said, I'm just gonna ignore. Superman 3, 4, and 5, and, you know, whatever.
0: And it was only I'm 3 gonna, and 4, yeah. They they right, never three, actually got around to 5.
1: Right, 3 and 4. And I'm just going to take up right from Superman 2.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and this was a movie that had been in development, hell, for, like, oh, God, like, at least 10 years. Yeah. Because, and that goes all the way back to the infamous... Kevin Smith stories about working with John Peters when um, they were going to do uh, when they're planning to do Superman lips. And guys, if you have not seen that, like you got to go on YouTube and look up uh, Kevin Smith, John Peters, and listen to him talk about his experiences working with the guy. It's, uh, it's, it's like the best stand up That's not even a up.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I have told people many times, matter of fact, I even said it here, folks, this is, Kevin Smith, <laughs> in telling that story, that's like Richard Pryor level humor. Yeah. It yeah. is hilarious. I, I can't recommend the highly enough. Go on YouTube and find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, something else to find also, because at one time, um, Nicolas Cage <laughs> was going to play Superman. Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, a, and Tim Burton was going to direct it. And Tim Burton was going to direct And there's a documentary movie which also has Kevin Smith in it, where they're talking about the development of that particular uh, 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 thing. And what makes it so fascinating is that you actually see um, they have some film of Nicolas Cage
0: being fitted in a Superman costume. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is a really good documentary. It's called The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened. Right, Uh, yeah, that's it. Directed by John Schnapp. And yeah, it's a really, it's a really cool movie. Like, we'll have to, we're gonna have to cover that at some point as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely we're gonna have to cover that. Because it's, you know what,
1: watching it, you say to yourself, well, you know what, I can't see, Nick, I can't quite
0: buy Nicolas Cage as Superman. But yeah, I'd watch the hell out of that movie if they made it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like that's what I kept thinking the whole thought after I finished watching that documentary and I've seen it like twice now, that documentary. And yeah, after me- watching both times after watching it, I couldn't help but think, you know what? That movie would have been absolute dog shit. Like it would have been a total train wreck, but I still want to see it. Yeah. I still would
1: have. Matter of fact, I would have paid money to see I would have paid money, drove into the and burnt up gas to go see that movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Even though, like you said, I know that would have been dog shit.
0: But hey. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, so now, what were your feelings when this movie came out? Because you and I both, you know, we, we we gushed in our first episode way back when about how much Superman the movie, how important that was to us, how it, how much it still resonates with us, you know, all these years later. Um, so, like, my attitude going into this was, you know, I, I'm glad they're doing another, like, basically rebooting Superman three. Like that—that that was my attitude towards them, because they're instead of trying to distance themselves, because they spent so long trying to distance themselves from the Christopher Reeves movie when they were making these other, um, when they're trying these other attempts. Like there was the, there was the Tim Burton version. Um, There's also one that J.J. Abrams worked on, where um, it was going to have like Kryptonian kung fu or something, and Lex Luthor was going to be a CIA agent who was secretly a Kryptonian, and all sorts of like you know basically trying to mix in like matrix elements and uh surprise twists into and all that kind of crap
1: yeah yeah like you said every other director and writer that they brought on to do a new superman movie seemed determined to take it as far away from the christopher reed version of superman as possible Mm -hmm. now what makes our man brian singer so different is that he he was not interested in that at all because he worships superman the movie right you know he loves that movie the way uh
0: baby loves his rattle well apparently um uh kevin's i i don't know if this i haven't actually seen or read this interview but this is something i heard like secondhand from someone so if i'm wrong about this someone can correct me but apparently kevin spacey said that when they were making usual suspects um Brian Singer was going around telling anyone who would listen about his idea for uh remaking Superman 3.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So I mean this, apparently
1: this was a dream project up hit for a long time to do yeah. a Superman movie. Exactly, yeah. Now, and, having, now, having said that, let me just say this. <laughs> you can love something so much that that love will actually get in the way of what you're doing. Yes,
0: yeah. and
1: that is my feeling with Superman Returns, in that Brian Singer loved Richard Donna's vision of Superman too much. Yeah, to the extent where that he could not have hit, actually have his own vision of it. Mm-hmm. He just had to do. He worked his moneymaker <clears throat> off to recreate his, you know, his vision to the point where what we have here in a weird way is more or less a remake of Superman, the movie.
0: Yes. Yeah. It, it's a lot like, um, it reminds me a lot of the force awakens in that way. Yeah. Uh, Cause force exactly, awakens exactly. is also, is the exact same thing, right? It's basically a, it's a remake slash reboot of um, the first Star Wars movie. Yeah, it is. It is. Much as I like the Force Awakens, it's a New Hope. Right. It is. It totally is. Like you know the the mysterious um, you know the mysterious hero in the desert who is um, naturally force powerful. The even like the the time when they meet Han and Chewie and they and they run across them. It's still like the exact same point you know percentage wise of the movie that, you know, Ben and Luke meet Han and Chewie in uh, Mos Eisley. Yeah. And even exactly. down to a planet-killing weapon. I mean, it's just all right there. They had, <laughs> as a matter of fact, they even have a scene in there where they're talking about how to blow up
1: Starkiller base. Mm. And even Han Solo says, wait, how many of these damn things do we have to blow up?
0: <laughs> and also, you got the old mentor being struck down by the villain. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, hot huh? and You've got this. The robot with the secret message that he's gotta deliver.
1: Yeah. Right, yeah.
0: Everything. It's like Everything. you know the entire time I'm watching I'm like, this seems a lot like a new hope. And after I was <laughs> after I was done watching, I'm like, that was basically a new hope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and And yeah, and in this movie, there's a
1: lot of things there's a lot of scenes in here. There's a lot of things. I do give singer credit in that he does try to do some things that are different that mm-hmm. and i I like even though I don't like Kate Bosworth as Lois Lane. I feel like she's the most boring Lois Lane i've ever seen in movies or t v but I like how he tried to do something different with their relationship and show that she can fall in love with somebody other than superman
0: yeah and i and I'm glad he also avoided the. The typical route that would happen in this movie, where either James uh, Richard White, played by James Marsden, would be a total dick, and he's a you know, nice you no, know, he's a great guy, right? And he he gets along like he there's no friction between like him and Clark or him and Superman, right? They get along perfectly fine. Um, you know, he uh, Clark him and Clark work together to try to find out what where Lois disappeared to and all that. Uh, they had they have a mature relationship.
1: They're two, right. adult men. They're two adult men. They don't act like high school guys fighting over the
0: cheerleader. Right, and also, because this was, this was one of the biggest feelings I thought of uh, Spider-Man 2, right? When at the end of it, because you have John Jameson, who's such a stand-up guy in that movie, right? Even down to him saying, like, you know, well, how come you're not inviting your friend Peter Parker to the wedding, right? And then uh-huh. at the end of the movie, she leaves him at the altar, Right. And then runs back to Peter Parker, who's been a dick the whole movie. (laughs) But he's been trying and, um, he's, you know, he's been trying to, he's been trying to get her to, to get her to, to leave, to leave John and come with him. Like when he's reciting her poetry and that really cringeworthy scene in the, at the party. And, and then she runs back to his house in a wedding dress, leaving this other guy, this other nice guy, who's an astronaut at the, at the altar. And, there's none of that in this movie like you know lois makes a clear decision to be with to be with richard and to you know stay true to with richard and you see that 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 moment i realized it when i was re-watching it is that moment is on when they go back when they're on the roof right yeah and he sets her down and then they almost kiss but i noticed they both stop right and then you know he pulls away from her and she looks like she's about to say anything and he gives her this look like, no, you don't have to say anything else. Yeah. And yeah. at that moment, he's pretty much accepted that their relationship is over. This is this is one of the
1: things, matter of fact, this is like probably the main thing that Singer gets right in this movie, the progression of the relationship between uh, Superman, Clark and Lois. Yeah. You know, in that, you know, this is a very mature... Matter of fact, this is probably the most mature relationship between Superman and Lois we've seen
0: in any of the movies. Yeah, I think so.
1: You know, I, I only wish, like I said, that we had had, like, another actress because, I don't know, Kate Bosworth does
0: nothing for me as Lois. You know, what, this, I... There's some... Go, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Uh, so, my thing is, like, I, I see where you're coming from. I see where a lot of people are coming from. I see some flashes of it in her like when she's when she's grilling the um the pr rep on the on the shuttle plane like and like you know and like she's you know she's being very tenacious when she's like there are moments there but the problem is i think it's just like her role is not written very well and singer just didn't really give her very good direction okay and i notice that's as i'm looking back and i'm thinking about his movies that seems to be kind of a trend with his movies like his uh, The female characters in this movie tend to be very underwritten. They tend not to have a whole lot to do in these movies. Um, or when they are the focus, like, you know, in, um, you know, say, like, Days of Future Past with, or uh, Apocalypse with Mystique, they're very badly done. Oh, they either, like, swing one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. So he doesn't really have a good handle on female characters. He doesn't seem to really know how to work with female actors. Like, and you look at, I mean, you know, you look at most of his movies, it's mostly male-dominated dominated casts.
1: That, uh, because that PR woman that's on the plane was played by Peter Wilson. Now, I would have liked to see her play Lois Lane. <laughs> <laughs> she would have been a memorable Lois Lane. But again. And I've had discussions with uh, people about this uh, movie and about how Lois Lane, you know, she, she's not as, you know, to me, she's not as energetic as Lois Lane has been portrayed in other movies. And they tell me, well, that's because it's five years on and, you know, she's got a kid. So she's a little bit more grounded now. And so that's say, you know, something, okay, on that basis, I can go for that because that is what happens sometimes with women, you know, they have a child and yeah, they do become more grounded they become more responsible so this is so she's not like the flighty Lois lane anymore that can just drop off and you know go around the world on you know on some kind of assignment i mean you know what it, i mean so yeah you know
0: i'll go with i don't buy it completely but i understand the argument no yeah there there are definite issues with um with how her character characters portrayed in the movie and just and i don't want to put it all on kate bosworth cuz i think she you know, she had, she was, she was given this material. She, and she's, you know, pretty, and a pretty inexperienced actress at this point in her career. Like. Well, so uh, she works with what she's got. I, yeah, mean, you know, yeah. I mean, she can only work with what they give her. So, yeah. Right. I mean, like, what had she really been in before this? She was in, um, I... you know, she was basically, her biggest thing was Beyond the Sea with, um, uh, uh who was Kevin, Kevin Spacey. Spacey yeah Kevin Spacey was also in that too that was like her biggest role everything else like she had very like you know small parts before that so oh. like i mean she wasn't really at a place in her career and also like they went with someone way too young for what this role calls for because i can't picture her being um a seasoned reporter 5 years ago cuz she looks like she she looks like she's like what 24, 25 in this movie. So like five yeah. years ago, she would have been, she would have still been in co- in high school. And see also, here's the thing. Okay. If we
1: go by what, you know, Singer says, okay, and this is a sequel to the first two movies. Mm-hmm. So therefore, we're supposed to believe this is the same character as played by Margot Kidder. And right. I can't, and I can't see it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can't see her being, whereas there's some other characters I look at them, some of them I look at them and I say, Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I can buy this as being the same character. I can buy this as being the same character. But other characters, I look at them and I say, nah, I can't buy it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: And she's and she's the number one
0: that nah. All right. Now we, we gotta talk about um, you know, Brandon Routh as uh, as Superman. Uh, because he took a lot of shit for this movie, and it was—I definitely think it was like Kate Bosworth. Yeah, she deserved some of the some of the criticism she got, but Brandon Ralph didn't deserve a single speck of ink that was wasted on criticism of his performance.
1: Brandon Ralph, this was his first major motion picture. I mean, I mean, this was a mega major motion picture. Yeah, you know, so. He's playing Superman, an iconic character. And what Singer apparently wanted him to do, he did not want him to play Superman his way. He wanted him to be Christopher Reeve. Right. As, as Superman and Clark Kent. And of course, he's an inexperienced actor. This is the first big role. He mm. don't want to fuck it up. So he goes along with it. So, yeah, so I don't blame Brandon Routh. Matter of fact, he does a damn good job of being oh,
0: Christopher Reeve. He does, yeah, he does. He does a very good job. Yeah. And we did, and now we finally did get to see his Superman in uh, Crisis on Infinite Earth*. So we got to see what he would have done with that. And it's too bad that Singer told him to do a, a Christopher Reeve impression because Brandon Routh's Superman, I would have loved to see that movie. I would have loved to see that too. I'd you still know. love to see that movie. You know, I'd still yeah. love to see that movie. Yeah, I mean, he's still not, he's not that
1: old that he can't still, you know, do a Superman movie. Well, no,
0: I mean, absolutely not. And plus, you know, now he's done with Legends. um, And, uh, you know, there's, who knows what's going on with Henry Cavill. Um, You've got Tyler Hoechlin. He's already going to be doing Superman on TV. So give Brandon Routh a Superman movie then. Yeah, give him a movie. Why not? I mean, the guy
1: deserves it. He does, definitely. I mean, because he, he... He does a good job in this movie. Now, after watching it, because I watched it yesterday, and I haven't seen it for a few years, and having more years now, having seen him on other things, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I think I could be a little bit more objective about his performance, and I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, you know something? This guy really had to subliminate a lot of... Probably what he wanted to do mm-hmm. in order to give Singer what he wanted, mm-hmm. and the there's one, a kind of, no go and I don't know, but there's a kind of genius in the way that he does that, in the way mm-hmm. that he gives him Christopher Reeve. There, there's a kind of genius in that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, he's also there's um, one thing he's able to do in this movie that I noticed this last time around is he he plays Superman as Superman, right? Like this is Superman this is who Superman is. He does, but there is like this subtext of melancholy in his performance. Yeah. Right? It doesn't overcome him, right? It's not like, you know, like the, the Spider-Man, woe is me thing, but there's just like a hint of it there. And he does a really good job of bringing that out when at certain moments, like when um, like when they're up in the air and he's talking about how uh, he can hear everything and how he and he says, you know, you say that the world doesn't, you wrote that the world doesn't need a savior, but every day I hear people crying out for one. And then when he says, and then he apologizes to her, right? That's, that he, he just has that hint of melancholy in his voice and it works really well.
1: And there's a look that he has when he comes back to Mm -hmm. Daily Planet and he comes back and except for Jimmy Olsen, nobody's really happy to see, you you know, nobody cares that he's back. Yeah. Not even Perry White. No. And there's a scene where he takes his suitcases and he sticks them like in this room, and he sees this cutout of Perry White smiling and everything like that. And he looks at that, and he turns around, and he looks in, and, and he looks back, and he looks in, into the city room, and there's this look on his face, like you know, I didn't expect this shit. I thought that you know, mm-hmm. maybe yeah. somebody, but no. And the thing that really I okay, and this is kind of mean spirited. People actually like they don't like Clark in this movie. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people like Clark Kent, like, you know, really? You know, who. He, whereas in the other movies, you know, Clark Kent is this bummer guy that, got, you know, people know he's there, but, you know, right. it's like, yeah, well, that's just Clark, you know. But, yeah, like, but they're they're polite to him, though, right? Yeah. Nobody Nobody's a, a dick to him. Yeah. I mean, in this movie, you, you got people that are just, you know, they look at him like there's one guy that says, Clark, Perry says he
0: wants you now.
1: And it's yeah, like, yeah.
0: Guy's got a serious attitude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, what the hell did Clark... And and it's so contrary to how Brandon Roth plays Clark Kent that it just doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Uh, Like, because the only exception is, uh, well, you know, Perry White's kind of dismissive in the beginning when Clark comes back. But other than that, he's, you know, it's just like Clark's just kind of there. Like when he comes into the office um, asking about, uh, you know, how he can help with Lois. And, you know, and Perry, you know, is, you know, is deferential, is respectful for him there. But, um, and then uh, also um, Richard is very, is very respectful of Clark. He's very nice to him, right? Like when he meets him, he's like, he's like, you know, oh, it's nice to meet you. I've heard so much about you. And, you know, Clark looks like, he looks, he looks, he's like, oh, wow, someone besides Jimmy missed me. You know, Lois must, and then he says, yeah, Jimmy won't shut up about you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, you know, no yeah, yeah, okay, well, nobody cares,
0: you know, that he's back. Yeah, and, uh, and yeah, Lois is kind of a bitch to him, too, as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my like, God. Like, there's that first one, she's like, she's like you know, she's being nice to him, you know, they have that, like, kind of awkward hug thing when, when they see each other, and yeah, she says, like they oh. Yeah, like,
1: they don't know if they should hug or kiss or shake hands. Or, yeah. Right.
0: And then, you know, she says, like, you know, uh, and she's like, well, tell me all about your trip, and then, you know, she just kind of drops it, and then later, when they're when they talk, like, he's, she's just very dismissive and rude to him for no reason. Right, yeah, very rude. Yeah, very rude, which,
1: like, to me, goes contrary to, you know, the whole relationship that they have. Because, yeah, you know, her and Clark are supposed to have, like, this rivalry, you know, for to be the best reporter, everything like that. And, I mean, you know, they're friends. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you haven't seen the guy for five years. Which also is another thing that I said. You know, some the people in Metropolis can't be this stupid mm-hmm. that Clark Kent comes back after five years. The exact day he comes back, Superman decides to come back too. <laughs> they can't. Even the kid picked up on it. He looks at the Clark Kent
0: and he looks and he turns his head and he looks at the TV and he said, "Oh shit." <laughs> well, there is there is one scene I really liked is that um, that scene when. Um, when Richard and Lois are talking about, uh, are talking about Superman and yeah. Richard notices Clark and, you know, he's like, Hey, Lois, how tall would you say Clark is? And, you know, she's like, you know, about like six, three, six, four. And he's like, what, like two, twenty five terms of weight. And they're like, and they're both kind of looking at him. And then he looks up and he kind of looks around like yeah. kind of dumbfoundedly. And then they just laugh. Right. Cause like, yeah. that's, that's so, and that's, that's exactly how it goes with, with Clark and Superman. Right that's part of the, it's, it's his whole persona he creates for Clark Kent that makes you realize that even if he might resemble Superman, like there's no way you can think he's Superman. Yeah. uh huh. Well, that's all, well, as we talked about in Superman,
1: Christopher Reeve was so brilliant in that because we had talked about that one scene that for me is the best special effect in the whole movie where you actually see him transform. Exactly, yeah. Superman right in front of your eyes. And when he does that, you understand how Clark Kent gets away with it. Where people just say, well, it's just a pair of glasses. People,
0: no, it's not the glasses. No, yeah, exactly. Christopher Reeve shows you in that one scene how he pulls it off. Right, and he, he he purposely wears suits that are like a size too big so to so it looks like he's physically small. Like it's all about creating an illusion with his character.
1: I've always wondered if there was a story to be written where uh, Clark Kent, before he embarks on his career as a reporter, he goes to the actor's studio in New York, and he studies to be an actor.
0: I don't know if there's... He, there, was a, there was kind of a reference in... Um, Mark Wade did a, did a new version of Superman's origin. It was called Superman Birthright. This was in the early 2000s, I think, I want to say. And, uh, uh-huh. and, and, it, and in Birthright, um, there, uh, when they're preparing him to be Superman there is this scene when Martha's telling him, like, you know, your father and I once saw this play where it was about these twin brothers. And at the end of the play, you find out that the brothers were actually played by the same actor. And and she's like, but he made it, he made each performance different. So you thought you were able to believe that they were two different people. And she's like, so study that craft, like find books on acting and study that craft. So she tells him to do this. And it's clear that he does from the way he, he acts in the in the book, but it never shows him like actually going to study or anything like that. So that's I think that's probably the closest thing I've ever seen, at least. Because I've always thought, you know, that yeah, Clark Kent would have to be a hell of a good actor.
1: Oh yeah, to pull off being Clark Kent, mm-hmm. so that people will look at him and they might say, yeah, well, you know, he kind of looks like Superman, but not nah, Clark not. Nah, he couldn't exactly. Him. Yeah, he couldn't be him. Also, I, I really. Love- but Sorry. I love how that little kid Jason, how he picks up on it. Yeah. He gives this look and he just looks at the TV and he looks back And,
0: and Clark and Clark is looking down at him like, shut up kid, don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things I like too about his Clark Kent is that his, his might be like my ideal version of Clark Kent because he's just a total wallflower. Somebody you don't even notice is there. So it's totally believable how someone like him could, could basically hide in plain sight as Superman. Because, and even why he'd be a good reporter, because you never know he's there. So you never notice that he's standing in the room as you're, as you're talking about a criminal conspiracy or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I thought like he does... Turn, it's like you would turn around and say, oh, shit, kid. Well, how long have you been there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think he does a really good job of that. And it's, um, it's an underrated aspect of this movie that I wish we'd gotten to see more of. And, um, uh, and I love that scene when Lois comes back down from the roof after meeting Superman and, and Clark's already back there. And he's like yeah. stuffing the burrito in his mouth. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I always love it when they do them. Uh, when the, the, I always love those scenes that they have where he changes in, in the Superman and he takes Lois someplace. And then, mm-hmm. you know, she comes back and her head is still all in the clouds and everything like that. And he shows up as Clark and he just further discombobulates. Yeah, you yeah. Know, he he messes with her head, you know. <laughs> I, I just want to mention real quick before I forget that one of the pleasures I got out of this movie was that it had uh, the woman who, after Margot Kidder, is my favorite Lois Lane, Noel Neal, mm-hmm. who uh, played Lois Lane in the TV series, The Adventures of Superman from the 1950s. She's the old woman Whose fortune is stolen by Lex Luthor? Right, at the beginning of the movie, and uh, the original Jimmy Olsen, Jack Larson,
0: mm-hmm.
1: plays the bartender.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, and Noel Neal, wasn't she also in some of the serials as well? Yes, she was. She was in the serials. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I love that Jack Larson is still wearing the bow tie. Yeah, he's still wearing the <laughs> bow tie. Yeah,
1: <laughs> they had a nice little scene in there when after Superman saves the airplane, which is probably the best scene in the whole movie mm-hmm. and the two Jimmy Olsons, you know, they cut to the two of them and they're hugging. Yeah. 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 Well, you know what? Is I don't know. Stuff like that kind of
0: gives me like a nice warm feeling. I like, yeah. you know. Well, now that you mentioned that, I, that's a good transition to talking about Sam Huntington as Jimmy Olsen and who um, I think he does a great job as Jimmy. Like he's a little bit too over exuberant when it comes to to Clark. I think it's kind of like, I never realized you, you were never like this close to him in the previous movies. Yeah, it's kind of like a puppy dog
1: kind of worship. Yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah, it is. It is. It's like you know, like oh my god, oh oh, Clark, oh man, I'm so glad to see you back. Oh here, sit here, here, have a pork chop. Hold on, I'm mm-hmm. gonna get you a, I'm gonna get you. A, yeah, it's it's a little over the top. It's a little too much. Okay, yeah, yeah I realize you're glad to see the guy, but you know, dial mm-hmm. it down a bit, bro. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, um, but, but, but otherwise I thought he did a really good job. He, uh, he really did a, he really kind of captured what Jimmy's all about.
1: Well, I like Jimmy Olsen should always have that exuberance, that yeah. youthful, you know, exuberance. And, uh, I've always seen that him and Clark have more like, some people say, oh yeah, well, it's a father son kind of thing. No, it's not. It's like a brother kind of thing. You it know? Is, because, yeah. The, yeah. Cause then not really that far Apart in age, at least I think so. They're right, not, you yeah. know, they're not supposed to be that far apart in age.
0: Well, in the comics, like he, he's he's Clark's best friend. Like that's why in the in the right. comics, he was he was in the comics when he married him and Lois got married. Jimmy was his best man. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it's not like you know. Yeah, I mean,
1: uh, what's his name? Perry White is more like a father figure. Exactly. You know, for, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, for Jimmy Olsen, Clark is like his older brother.
0: Mm-hmm. I also like you know, that once, Lo,
1: you know Clark and Lois—they're like his older brother and his older right. sister.
0: Yeah, the, and also I like that um, you know when he, when Clark finds out that Lois is um, you mm-hmm. know basically engaged, you know she's like a prolonged engagement, and um, and you know she's got a kid, and you know he's looks you know he looks distraught, and you know Jimmy's like, hey, you want to go get a beer? Like you like he that there is and I like that little scene of them together in the bar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, oh, and for anyone else who, because I did see some complaints about this. Oh, well, you know, Clark Kent shouldn't be drinking beer. That's such a bad role model. It's like, like, you know, he's mad. He, he could drink like an entire keg and he wouldn't feel a thing. Yeah. But why wouldn't he want to drink a beer? I know. It's like, just, I, I hate when people are, I've seen people get uptight about that kind of stuff. Like, oh, well, superheroes should never drink it. I'm like, just shut up. <laughs> of course they should. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure that Batman
1: enjoys champagne once in a while after he finished whooping the Joker's ass.
0: Well, Batman, I think I would see as not just because, like, he's so, you know, in that mode. Like he's so devoted to the mission, and and like that's what like there's that part in uh, Dark Knight Returns when um, when Gordon says to to Bruce, like, you know, you had us going for years, you know, sipping your ginger ale, making us all think it was champagne.
1: Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And there's also if that scene in, um, if you remember The Dark Knight, when he's at the the fundraiser for for Harvey Dent, like he he walks out to the balcony, he's got the glass of champagne, he just spills the champagne over the edge.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I believe that Gordon tells him, because they go out for dinner or something like that, mm-hmm. and he's drinking, and like he's throwing them back, one after another. Gordon said, you're making them for lost time, I said. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah. But, yeah, but
0: but, but, other, but other, but other characters, you know, you know, I totally see them, you know, having a drink. That is
1: a good point you make because Bruce Wayne, he's such a cold, he's such a control freak that he would not want to take a substance into his body that would alter his mood or his consciousness
0: or impair yeah. his abilities in any way. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, exactly. So he probably wouldn't drink. But it, yeah, but everybody else, like you know, guys like Green Lantern and Green Arrow, I see mm. them for going out for beers every weekend. Oh yeah, definitely,
0: you know, yeah. definitely, yeah. yeah. yeah
1: all right and um no no,
0: superman yeah especially superman with his metabolism he probably can't get drunk anyway no it's like that scene in the flash in the tv show right when when barry downs like a whole bunch of shots and he tells you know cisco and um and and caitlin he's like i can't get drunk yeah exactly I, i physically can't my metabolism works too fast yeah, it burns then, like, it up too fast. Yeah, and so that, that one time when they want to have give him a celebratory drink, Cisco has to make him like this special, strong, like five hundred proof alcohol to make yeah, him feel anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh. But uh, but yeah, and uh, yeah, he does a Huntington does a really good job, I thought. And um, you also mentioned Perry White, and that you know played by the great Frank Langella, who's also a um, a good a good addition. But he doesn't really. He doesn't have a lot to do, is the problem. And he's not bombastic. No. no. White, Frank
1: Langella, Frank Langella is, is dignified and distinguished. Yeah. Perry White is not dignified and distinguished.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: You know. You know, he, he's a very bombastic, although I have to say, the moment where he says Great Caesars ghost, he delivers it like it's a prayer. It's a yeah. wonderful moment where he says, Great when Superman he catches the globe. You know, yeah. planet globe that's falling. And it's falling on Perry White and Superman catches it. Mm-hmm. And Franklella, he's looking up and the camera is right on his face and he says, Great season has gone. And the way he says it, you just want to put your hands together and bow your head.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, well that speaking of the Daily Planet, like, and we were just talking about this in our Facebook group. Like, I love how they designed the building. Oh my God, it's gorgeous.
1: It's mm-hmm. It's art deco. It's it's Baroque. It's it has it has it has its own unique. Just like I was saying, the Daily Planet is just as much a character in the Superman legend as Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen. And And Mm. it should have its own unique look. Yeah. Because all of these characters, their their lives revolve around the Daily Planet.
0: Right. And that's something that the Superman, the movie, it didn't real. I don't recall the daily planet building is really standing out outside of the globe.
1: Are we talking about the Christopher Reeve movie? Yeah. 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 Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. It didn't really have as a, well, it did if you're from New York because they, they used the daily news. It stood in. Right. Yeah. For you know, so if you've ever been to the daily news building, which I have when I was taking up journalism and they took us on a trip there, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, at one time it was like a New York kind of landmark, but I like this look of the Daily Planet much better because you see the city room and even though you see
0: computers and stuff like that, it's still, to me, it still looks like it could be in the 1940s. Yeah, exactly. Like I've always, I, as I was watching the movie, I was thinking, you know what, when you think of, um, uh, when you think of the uh, Metropolis, it should be like Art Deco style. Yeah. And yeah. when you think of Gotham, it should be like Gothic style. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's something that I feel like some of the movies kind of got away from. Like you had, um, you know, as much as I love the Nolan movies, well, at least the first two, um, and as much as I love the fact that, you know, my hometown is used heavily, especially in The Dark Knight. It was all filmed in Chicago. Like it just doesn't feel like Gotham.
1: No, nah, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, which is why when we were talking about the Tim Burton uh, movies, that's why I think they work so well for me because Gotham. Okay, that's how Gotham should look.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: You know, Gotham Batman works best in an environment that's his. Uh, he doesn't work good in an environment where the city looks real. Mm-hmm. You know, Gotham City shouldn't look real. Yeah, you know, and as man for that man, metropolis shouldn't look that really metropolis should look too clean it should look like uh what's the best thing i can put have you ever been like to universal down in florida yeah yeah okay you see how ultra clean it is mm-hmm. how everything is nice and bright and clean and shiny
0: that's right. how metropolis should look all the time yeah, metropolis yeah. Can look like it never
1: gets dirty
0: yeah oh um actually here's a here's an interesting thing just uh um i'm just looking at the tr- i got the trivia page open um, Okay. Do you know who was originally supposed to play Perry White in this movie? Like Frank Langella was not the first choice. Hugh Laurie was cast. Okay, bingo. Like he would have done a he would have done a really good job. He can play bombastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there was, um, but because House became really popular, there were scheduling conflicts, so then he had to back out, and then Frank Langella was cast.
1: There was not one scene where Frank Langella, where he throws open his door and screams, "Can't get in here!" Yeah, yeah. Or Lane getting you know yeah you know that's Perry White he's Franklin Judd doesn't have a cigar in the corner of his mug mm-hmm. you know like Jay Jonah Jameson and um the other what was the other Perry White from the movies uh what was his name Jackie Jackie Copen. Cooper yeah, yeah, yeah Jackie, Jackie
0: Cooper yeah yeah and then you had and then you had Lane Smith on Lois and Clark yeah who was kind of yeah. like a, a Kentucky Fried version of um of uh Perry White yeah that was a really odd. We don't Earth. see. I I like Lane Smith. Like I thought he did a good job, but I think they yeah, they yeah. tried to play. They played up that Elvis shit way too much. Yeah, that
1: was the thing. Yeah, yeah. They made that uh, instead of Great Caesar's Gold. He said what? Great Elvis. Great, great shades of Elvis. Yeah. Great shades of Elvis. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. They kind of like went a little bit too far with the Elvis thing. Although you know what, I understand why they did that because. Modern audiences probably would a lot of you know nobody would understand why he says Great Caesar's ghost. Well, yeah, why but and well, that? I I
0: wouldn't mind him saying Great Chase, but they made him so obsessed with Elvis that it became ridiculous. Yeah,
1: yeah. it just they took that one. Hook. I mean, like even
0: it's yeah, not even, it's not even a character trait. It doesn't it even it doesn't even make any sense because like Perry White, you know, he says Great Caesar's ghost, but he's not like a a Roman file, right? He doesn't have like all this Caesar stuff in his office or anything. He's not dressing up as Caesar or any of that kind of shit. Uh-huh. So it's just like, why would you think that, um, why would you do that with Lane Smith to make him like, you know, embarrass him like that? Matter of fact, in the
1: 1950s, the Adventures of Superman, the TV series, mm-hmm. they I don't remember what it was, but there is an episode called Great Caesar's Goes where it's explained why Perry White says that. Oh, really? Do you remember what the explanation was? I don't remember. I do remember that he believes he's being haunted by the spirit of Julius Caesar. And Julius Caesar says to him at one point, well, you summon me up because you keep calling me. You keep saying Great Caesar's Ghost, so here I am. That's kind of ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, and and I know that at one point... In the show, I believe it's at the end. There is explanation. Somebody, either Clark or Jimmy, asked, him, Well, why do you say Great Seasons? And he see, now I gotta go on YouTube and I gotta find the episode. <laughs> oh. because I know that there's a re there is explanation why he says it.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. And um now uh I wanna talk about Richard White, James Marsden. Like I totally understand why, because um so when this movie was in production, when Ryan Singer was starting to get casting and all that, um, this is when Fox, you know, you know, got their panties in a twist. <laughs> because, you know, they're, they, as soon as they found out that Singer was going to do Superman Returns, they, they went to him like, well, what the fuck? You're supposed to be doing our third X-Men movie. And he's like, well, you guys told me you weren't even sure when you're going to do it or when you want to, or if you will do it at all. So, and so I got offered this, and I decided to take it. And Fox like, no, 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 we're doing it. And we're going to do it without you now, so fuck you. And, and, uh, and Brad Singer's like, well, why don't you just wait until I finish this movie, then I'll go back and do it? He's like, no, we're doing it now. We're, and we're going to have it come out before Superman returns so we can beat you at the box office. And then... Um, very childish. Very childish. And then it started this, like, casting war. Because, you know, Singer went to the actors he's worked with before. Right. So he went to Marsden. He went to uh, Famka Jansen. He went to um, uh, Sean Ashmore and he asked them if they want, they're they going to be in Superman Returns. Um, right. I'm pretty sure, like, if I'm pretty sure he wanted uh, Ashmore for Jimmy Olsen. Not sure what he wanted Jansen for. I doubt it was Lois Lane, but maybe it was for like the Kitty Kowalski role. Hmm that would, that would probably oh, make okay, them, yeah. maybe i got just speculation on my part but you know what they they agreed to do the last stand so they had to back out but marsden you know he's like well you know you didn't give me shit to do in the first two movies um like you know singer filmed that singer filmed more scenes with me in the first two movies and you deleted them from the movie and now singer's offering me a bigger part so i'm going to be in i'm going to go be in superman returns he
1: had more to do in superman returns than he did
0: in those X-Men movies. Yeah, and you know what? Something else I noticed as I'm watching him is he could have been Superman. You know what? You took the words
1: right out of my mouth. I was just getting ready to say that too, that I said, you know what? I'm watching it
0: and I'm looking at him. I said, damn, you know what? James Marsden could have been a pretty damn good Superman as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, he plays this really stand-up guy. He's got blue eyes, naturally. He's yeah. got the he's got the right build. He's got the right physique. He's got the That's, right yeah. demeanor and personality. Yeah, he would have made a great Superman. He would have been pretty good at that. I'm looking at it. you know I was watching it. I said, yeah, you
1: know what? This guy could have been Superman himself. And you know, I kind of which
0: which also explains why Lois fell in love with him. I was you you I was literally just about to say that. So you you took the it, words right out of my mouth. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it makes sense why Lois fell, fell in love. He's he's Superman without the superpowers. Yeah. Yeah. <clears> oh, <throat> then you got um uh, <laughs> but then you got Jason White who he doesn't look like either of them. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> See are we and sure you know, that are we sure that Lois didn't have something going on with Jimmy on the side?
1: <laughs> and you know something? That is something, and I've said this before. I hate this in movies when they give us characters that are supposed to be related, father and son, mm-hmm. brother and sister, mother and daughter, whatever. And they look nothing alike they right. don't look anything like each other you know this kid he doesn't look
0: anything although i do like this kid a lot because they let him be a kid yeah i remember um, i remember reading uh roger ebert's review of this movie and he was complaining about about jason in it saying like well, why if they're going to give superman a kid sidekick why can't they give him kind of like one of the like one of the sassy kids from like spy kids or something like that i'm like that would have been no. so fucking stupid
1: no no no. no, I'm I like glad. Fact, yeah, he's a I kid. Like the fact that he's just a normal, regular kid.
0: Yeah, yeah. He acts just like a regular, normal kid, right? He acts just like a regular kid, right? You know? He says things just come off the top of his head that a kid would say, like you know, when he meets Clark and Clark says, "Oh, I'm an old friend of your mom's." She's like, "Oh, he," she never mentioned you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, she never said anything about. It. Or and
1: when he then, meets,
0: or when he meets Lex Luthor and he just says, "You're bald." <laughs>
1: And it's really touching when they go, when him and Lois, they go to the hospital to see Superman, who mm-hmm. has, of course, pushed the kryptonite continent into outer mm-hmm. space. And he goes see him and they just look at him. And the kid just simply says, I like him. Yeah.
0: He's like, I hope you he know, gets better. That, I like him. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's, you know, if that doesn't touch you, you don't have no heart. because. Yeah. That's what kids are. They say, you know, so kids say exactly what they feel. There's an
0: old saying: if you want to know the truth, go ask a kid. Yeah, yeah, because they'll tell you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I, I thought he did. It's just that that whole storyline is just like problematic in a lot of different ways.
1: Oh boy, that's a...
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: People, people have a lot of problems. Okay, you want to hear my problem with it first, and then we're gonna let you get on your problem. Okay. I've heard people for years complain about this, talking about, oh, this is a horrible movie because Superman, he's a deadbeat dad. How do you figure... Wait, wait a minute. Where do you get that from? Yeah. He did not know she was pregnant. Right. He left the planet not knowing she was pregnant. Well, he had sex with her. He should have known. How would he know when he kissed her and he made her forget everything that happened, that they had sex? hmm Yeah. So I not- want to see... I want to see the part where
0: Lois ended up pregnant. She said, how did this shit happen? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so there are a few things about, like, I agree with you totally about the deadbeat dad thing. It doesn't make any sense. And like, you know what? Well, he had sex with, well, you know, I've had sex with a bunch of women too. I never expected any of them would think I, um, have gotten pregnant. None of them ever told me anything about it. So far as I know, I don't have any, any love children running around out there. Right. I mean, if,
1: and, okay, and speaking for myself, I know I have friends who, yeah, they've had women, they had relationships with, you know, years ago, come back in their life and say, oh, well, you've got a son and, and you've got a daughter. Yeah. And they freaked out because they said, well, how come you never told me? Yeah, yeah. And the women, you know, and, and the women said, well, you know, I slept with you, but I didn't want to be married to you or nothing like that. I didn't want to, you know, mm-hmm. it, ha- it, you know, for people who
0: don't want to believe shit like that happens, but it does happen. Yeah yeah it does and so yeah, yeah I, I the deadbeat dad thing never made any sense to me no but the the continuity is problematic and it does like you mentioned the amnesia kiss <laughs> yeah when lois finds out that she's pregnant right you know okay maybe she maybe it's uh, maybe she dated richard right after and so she thinks richard's the, fa- the actual biological father but when jason pushes that piano across the room and then she realizes he's got superpowers like at that moment, you know, she'd be wondering, when did I fuck Superman? And bingo. And then <laughs> and that 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 creates an issue, that creates some issues. Yeah. Now the problem is, is that um also the five year timeline doesn't quite work because what did she immediately start dating Richard like as soon as Superman disappeared? Like, anyway you any way you
1: look at it. Okay, it goes back by- to what you were saying, either Lois was doing a lot of fooling around mm-hmm. that we didn't know about, and Superman didn't know about, nobody knew about. Or, I mean, because when she popped up pregnant, shouldn't she have freaked out and said, "Well, listen, I know my name is not Mary Magdalene, so how mm. did I get pregnant?" You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. The time, yeah, the timeline just doesn't, you know, the timing don't jive.
0: Yeah. And also there's another issue too is that well and part of this is because Brian Singer was never exactly clear on the timeline. He says it's a loose follow-up, but it doesn't follow those movies continuity strictly. No. So and that just it creates a whole lot of lot of questions about what exactly is going on here. And like First of all, first of all the Superman that I know or that I think I
1: know, Superman I know would never abandon Earth. Mhm. That's the first thing. I don't, I don't see that, that he just packs up and says, well, I'm just going to go see if Krypton
0: is still there. Why? Now, here's the you thing. You know it's he, not there. But here's, a, here's an unintentional um, uh, tie into that, right? So okay. in, in Supergirl, in ni- 1984 Supergirl, a ra- there's a radio announcer report that Superman is off in space. So there is there is that kind of that little connection there. So maybe oh, he puts Super, okay. So maybe he puts Supergirl in charge of taking care of stuff while he was gone. Okay. Well, and I, I could see that.
1: And even though we don't see them, we can just take it as a given that there are other superheroes. So he didn't Well, they like-
0: do Well, they do reference Gotham as well. And yeah. um and Jason also is wearing Aquaman pajamas.
1: Yeah. So so we can take it as a given that yeah, well there are other superheroes. Yeah. Around so he doesn't feel like he's leaving the planet completely unprotected But still, I don't see Superman just, you know, packing up and just saying, Okay, well, I gotta go see if Krypton is is still there. That, that I'm sorry. That that doesn't work for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Now there is also um uh the Cal Penn character, um Stanford is his name, I believe. Uh so he actually had a bigger role originally. He was supposed to be um a former science reporter for the Daily Planet who was bribed by Luther to plant false evidence of Krypton still existing. So that would have oh,
1: okay.
0: drawn, drawn Superman away, which to, um, and then that would have allowed Lex to, to get off because Superman would have to come and testify. Now, see, that would have worked for me. That yeah. would have worked. Yeah. And it also explains why Cal Penn's character knows all this stuff. Yeah, because he doesn't say
1: much in the, I think, he doesn't say much in the movie. Well, I don't but think he says like, anything. <clears throat> but he knows an awful lot. Yeah. Like, he seems to know all the properties of, you know, kryptonite and, mm-hmm. you know, everything. And yeah, now, see, if they had left that in the movie, where, like you said, he planted, you know, the evidence that Krypton is still out there. Yeah, okay. See, then I would have bought it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um okay. all right. That's as actually usual, as usual, they cut the stuff out, out of the movie that makes sense. Okay. Exactly,
0: yeah, yeah. Now that actually is a good transition to talking about uh Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor. Okay. <laughs> so and, you know, Kevin Spacey, another one of these guys who's uh just like Singer, it's got become very problematic in recent recent years, but you know, but you know, putting all that aside, what was your impressions of him as Lex Luthor? Well, as you know,
1: Gene Hackman is always going to be my favorite Lex mm. Luthor. And it's interesting that uh, <clears throat> in this movie, much like uh, Brandon Routh, he he's doing uh, Christopher Reeve, uh, Kevin Spacey, he starts out doing Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. But the longer the movie goes on, the more darker... His performance, and the more it moves away yeah. from Gene Hackman, you know, until it becomes its own thing. I mean, by the time we get to the thing where he's shanking Superman, like they're in the shower of a prison, mm. yeah, you know? yeah, you say, "Damn," you know, uh, yeah, okay, well, Lex, and I have a problem with that whole scene anyway, because okay, okay, you go back to the earlier movies. Lex Luthor had schemes to kill Superman, but they Mm. were elegant schemes that seemed like stuff Lex Luthor would do. Well, he's going to build a supercomputer that's going to kill Superman. He's going to create a nuclear man, his own being Mm. that has more power than Superman. See, these are schemes worthy of Lex Luthor to get a bunch of guys to beat up, to, you know, kick the shit out of Superman and then
0: shank them. You know, I don't know. To me, that's not worthy of Lex Luthor. Now, to me, I actually like that. I, I think I, I like like I can I can really see Kevin Spacey's Luthor being and Gene Hackman's Luthor being the same guy because that, okay. this is a this is a Kevin Space this is a Lex Luthor who you know he had the world on its head. You know, he had done all this kind of like goofy stuff. He was very kind of like you know he he reveled in like his genius and his schemes and all that. And then he gets sent to prison. And I imagine, because he mentions to Kitty, right? He's like, you know, and, you know, prison's a creepy place. One must have creepy friends to survive. So I imagine <laughs> that's he saw- That's sauc- a great
1: line. Yeah, that's a great line. <laughs> yeah.
0: He had some shit happen to him in
1: prison. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, he was- again, see, again, the person, the same person I was talking about, he talked about, well, you know, Lois Lane has changed because it's five years. Mm-hmm. This same person I was talking to was saying, yeah, well, same thing with Lex Luthor. It's been five years. He's been yeah. in jail. It's not the same guy.
0: Yeah, exactly, and I believe that if you would put Gene Hackman, Gene Hackman's Luther in a place like Oz, I could see him coming out like Kevin Spacey. Oh, okay. I oh. like, like you, you've you've seen Oz the TV show, right? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. my God, yeah. <laughs> you know, you got that. You got that normal guy who goes in at the beginning, and then as it throughout the series progresses, he becomes more of a hard ass. Yeah. Right? I, I, that's what I see happening to, uh, to Lex Luthor in, in between these, these movies. And so when he comes out and he's been around these guys, so, and yeah, he does have this, you know, he's, he's happy that he's got money again, that he's, he's got a real estate scheme, but when Superman comes back, it's almost like a, a post-traumatic stress trigger.
1: And that's actually why he now hates Superman because Superman forced him to change and become the person that he is now by putting him in that position. Right before, it
0: wasn't so much that he hated Superman; it's just that he saw Superman as a challenge. Yeah. With this now he has a burning, seething hatred for Superman. So, like, I and just like the the shivving scene, it feels so personal, and that's why I love it. That's why I think it. Works oh, well, really it well. is. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, you know, when you're stabbing some,
1: I've heard this, you know, that yeah, that when you, um, I mean, you know, you stab somebody, that's a personal act. Yeah. You know, when you stab
0: him, yeah. So
1: and when he I mean, does that
0: when he stabs him and he twists it and he breaks it off and then he, like, practically hisses in his ear. Now, fly. And he throws yeah, and him off can, the ass, like...
1: And you can see the look on his face is like, yeah. you know, man, he's into this. Yeah, yeah, you know, this is what he's been dreaming of.
0: Yeah, and it, it's it's <laughs> downright chilling, like, how he changes like that when Superman is involved. And I, I thought Spacey did a really good job of that. And I that's why I believe... like And I you you do have a point, like, you know the real Lex Luthor is more about like these these schemes to kill Superman. He, he's much more he's much more dignified. But for what this Luthor has been through, I can accept this. Okay, you got to. I definitely
1: see your point there, and I love. And listen, don't get me wrong. I love his performance mm-hmm. in this movie. You know, I love. uh I it's like next to Brandon Ralph, it's probably my, it, it, not probably, it is my favorite performance mm-hmm. in the movie, because they're very evenly matched. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, but let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. I always ask people this. Why is it the Superman movies? that always comes down to real estate? Yeah. <laughs> Just like
0: every, every time. Every damn Superman movie, even Man of Steel, it comes down to real estate. yeah. You're right. I didn't even think about that in Man of Steel, but you're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, it always comes down to real estate in these movies. Yeah. Oh, I mean uh, <laughs> you know. Now that's, that's his thing. He wants to build a brand new continent. Yeah. You know when um, I remember watching this movie in the theater, and when she says, when she asks him why would you build a continent, and he points to it, and he's like land, and I'm like, I I I remember rolling my eyes. So I'm like, oh come on! You're gonna do the same thing in the first movie? Yeah, it's always
1: it, it always comes down the always comes down to land in mm. Superman movies. Yeah, Man or still, You know the Kryptonians? They say, okay, yeah, well, you know, we need a place to live, so you know, we're just gonna take this little we're gonna take Australia and we're going to, <laughs> you yeah, know, and we're gonna displace the people that live there. There, I said, there you go again, land.
0: Also. Why did he have these, like, maps made up to come rotate in the the study? (laughs) I I mean, why not just make a PowerPoint presentation? Wouldn't that have been easier? Yeah, but it's not as
1: dramatic. And Lex Luthor, he is kind of theatrical.
0: Yeah, it just seems a little bit, it does feel a little bit weird. Just one of those things. Also, why would you have a pool table in a boat? yeah that doesn't make any sense <laughs> at all. You know. and you see it, the
1: balls are always moving all over the, the place. Bo- the balls are always rolling back and forth, they're always
0: rolling back. That boat was bad, though. That I was a that. nice oh yeah, that, that huge library in there, and like the, and the glass bottom boat. I mean that that thing looked awesome. Yeah, zone helicopter now, had your own your, helicopter,
1: yeah. If you're going to be a, a supervillain and you're going to have an ocean-going
0: you know base of operations, mm-hmm. that's it. That's the one you want. That's what's nice about um, about this one and both and Superman the movie, where they give Lex Luthor a proper supervillain lair, right? So in in Superman the movie, you had the the underground, you know, con- the underground thing in the subways, and right, and then here in this, you've got the Gertrude, the massive sh- yacht, and it's just those are their proper supervillain lairs. They work really good for his character, I thought. Why is that thing weird?
1: Hold on a minute. That's my phone. Okay. Goal. Okay. Never mind. Stop. Whoever whoever it was. Okay. I'll talk to them later. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but Kevin Spacey, I had no, you know, when I first heard he was going to play Lex Luthor, I, you know, I said to myself, I said, wow. I said, you know what? That wouldn't have been my choice. But now that they said it,
0: I can see it. Well, he was also in the running back when they were talking about um, Superman Lives. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, um, it was, uh, I remember Kevin Smith, I'm pretty sure in the documentary, he talks about how when he was writing the script, he was picturing Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor. Oh, okay. And um, No, go ahead. Um,
1: What was I gonna say? Much as I love Parker Posey, I didn't care for her too much in this movie. She was like too shrill.
0: Okay. I'll, I'll get to her in a minute, but one other thing I wanted to say about, there are two oh. things I wanted to say about, uh, about Luther is one, like I love his speech to Kitty at the beginning, when he's talking about God, when he's telling the story about Prometheus and he, yeah. and when she says, you're not a God and he says, gods are, are, are selfish creatures in, in who fly around in red capes and don't share their power with mankind. Like mm-hmm. that was a, that was a good summation of why he has a hatred for Superman right and I, that that's a logic that makes sense in fact more so than i thought um hackman's luther it, it it there is there is more sense of the rivalry like hackman's just a guy who's looking for a fight who's looking for a challenge but with spacey's luther you get the feeling that it wasn't so much that he wanted a challenge from superman it's more that he was pissed that superman you know has this alien technology and all that and he um and he's not you know, he's not using it to help people he's to help mankind um and that's like that doesn't quite fit with the hackman luther like that that motivation but it does fit with a version of luther that i think especially a more modern version of luther and uh the other thing i wanted to say is uh this was a little funny behind the scenes bit of trivia but while they were filming kevin spacey would drive around in a golf cart that was called lex's super buster and he had a, he had a stuffed superman doll being dragged behind it on a rope and he had a megaphone, he'd be saying, Superman must die into the megaphone.
1: Kevin <laughs> Spacey, <laughs> he's an idiot. <laughs> he's got a goofy sense of humor.
0: Now, and, um, uh, there are uh, there are two more things I thought of as I was saying that. One, I like when they go into the fortress, and there's the reference to Superman too. when Kitty says to him, you've been here before, haven't you've you? You've
1: been here before, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and also the... Um, uh, I like that he he embraces the baldness, right? Like that's another way to show that he's he's not the he's not as cl- uh, prone to vanity as Hackman's Luther was, right? Yeah, like he
1: was. Yeah, he was very vain.
0: Right, right. Like in, in the beginning, when he after Gertrude dies, he pulls off the wig and he tosses a little girl, and he's just like, you know, this is like a new new face for me. Like I don't need to to hide behind the wig or anything. Like he's embracing like who he is now.
1: Because. Uh... My understanding is is that Spacey actually did shave his hair off. Yeah. Hackman refused to do that. Hackman refused. You know, he didn't. The only time we see him bald is that in the movie, and that's like a skull cap. Right.
0: He's not actually. Same thing in Superman too. He wears a skull cap in the beginning, but later, when he's first chance he gets, he puts on the wig again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I had a thought about. Well, never mind. Go ahead. I'll come okay. back to it. All right.
0: Maybe. So, uh, so Parker Posey. Um, now, I actually liked her in this movie. I love Parker Posey, but I don't know after Miss Teschmacher.
1: you know, <laughs>
0: you know that's that's one thing though. Like, I don't know why she did. They didn't just call her Miss Teschmacher. Yeah, ah. I mean, it just makes no sense. Like, you know, Lex luthor has been in prison for five years, and then he finds another female supervillain sidekick like it just it's like it doesn't really make sense
1: yeah yeah I, and you know since we've got all the rest of these characters from the original movie well
0: then, yeah why not just call him miss Teschmacher? yeah it's not like it's not like the character died or anything like that and right no everyone else got recast so i just it doesn't make any sense why he just you know throw mish Teschmacher away and find some other floozy to sit well, in her place exactly you know but uh yeah, but and usually
1: I enjoy part I don't know, she she was just I don't know, there was just something off about it, okay, it just seemed like she okay. You're okay, you're supposed to be Luther's henchwoman. woman. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to be his wife criticizing him and getting on his nerve and you know, insulting him every chance that you get.
0: But I loved those parts when she did that. It, like seemed, when, like it, it seemed like it was she was just doing too much of that. I I love those parts those are my favorite parts of her performance like when they're in the when they're when he's using the model to demonstrate his plan and um and uh Stanford drops the the little crystal fragment into the into the water and then she just and then nothing happens she's like wow that's really something Lex (laughs) (laughs) and then he says wait for it and then a few seconds and then she says again she's like wow that's really something Lex it's freaking gone with the wind <laughs> i like, think i loved that i love i loved her i loved how she treated him i loved how she reacted to him although one thing though is like i don't understand why luther even even keeps her around yeah
1: yeah i mean may, you know what maybe he likes bantering with her yeah yeah i like how she adopted the dog after the dog was left he ate Oh. Uh, <laughs> The dog ate the other dog and yeah. she and she adopted him. They uh
0: yeah, they um uh because <laughs> they leave the dogs behind and they don't give him any food or anything. So so they come back and she sees them and she's like, weren't there two of them? And you see him, yeah. and he's like chewing on the bones and shit. It's like oh <laughs> Yeah, she's like, wait a minute, weren't oh now I remember
1: what I wanted to say about Luther before what I wanted to say about okay. The whole fortunes of solitude thing. Mm. I don't like that. I'm sorry. I have no idea who that is. (laughs) Okay, okay. now, I understand why Superman does not have any kind of defensive measures to stop people from coming into the Fortress of Solitude Mm. because it's in the middle of the Arctic. Yeah. You know, and he probably figures, listen, if you're crazy enough to try to walk all the way to my fortress, you're welcome to it. Because he figures any, you know, nobody's going to uh, brave the sub-zero temperatures anyway to try to get there. Okay. Mm-hmm. But after Luther did come in there the first time, yeah, it seemed to me that he was, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to fix this so nobody else can get it. Especially if he's going to be leaving
0: Earth for five years, right? I mean, well, like, Thank you. I mean, that's like leaving your, it's like going on, your, you're going on extended vacation and you leave your front door wide open. And you leave front exactly you leave your front
1: door wide open. Uh, Second of all, Luther comes in and he has no problem using the Kryptonian technology. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I see. I have a problem with that also because it seems to me that Superman would have changed the locks or the codes or whatever, so that if somebody even did get in, they couldn't access the technology. That's you know. I'm sorry. I. To me, that makes Superman seem like kind of dim.
0: Yeah, yeah. That he wouldn't take steps to, you know, lock it up. Right, I agree with you. Yeah, you're right, yeah. I was thinking that too. Also, another problem I had with that scene is that jor no longer an artificial intelligence. He's basically just a recording. Bingo. That's something else that just, it doesn't fit with the first movie.
1: Because if you go back to, right, I'm about to say that, because if you go back to the first movie, jor is actually having a conversation with his son. Right. He's, not just, yeah. he's not just repeating stuff because he's an intelligence. He's artificial, like you said, he's an AI. Yeah. So he's actually having a conversation with him. You know, in this movie, he's just like, he's repeating stuff.
0: Yeah. Also, there's, there is, um, now that's also kind of a, a story problem with the first two movies. Because if you look at the, the Richard Donner cut, when Luther goes into the Fortress of Solitude and he activates it, like it is also only recordings of Jorrell. Like in the in the original, in the in the Richard Lester version, obviously Jorel's been replaced because Brando didn't want to work with Lester. But yeah, in the in the new ver- in the in the version, you had Brando in those scenes. But he still is talking as if it's a recording. So there's some inconsistency in the original movies as well. I would just like to say though that in this movie. The Fortress of
1: Solitude looks absolutely spectacular. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh, my God. Well, I've always liked the look of it. You yeah. know, this crystal full, you know, fortress and, the, you know,
0: sticking up out of the ice and stuff like that. I've always loved the look of it. That was you know? something I really did not like about Man of Steel, how it was just kind of like this, you know, this dark, gloomy, crashed, derelict spaceship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well. there's no, there's no there's no sense of style to it. There's no, yeah, no, majesty. There's no, no majesty. That's exactly the word I was looking no for. No majesty to it. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, and see. you know, I really like, I think the best though I've seen in live action is what Supergirl did with it because not only is it, you know, the crystal fortress and everything, it's got that, but it's got, it feels like something a person could actually live and work at. Right. Like you've got like the, you've got the memorabilia from Krypton. You've got like the, the consoles and stuff. And it feels like, it feels a bit more um, it's got a bit, it feels a bit more livable. Whereas the, and, and that, and this is a criticism that it goes back to the original movies as well, where it just feels like it doesn't feel like a place where someone would go to spend time or to, and it seems like, it seems it seems almost too cold. Like, on the outside, it looks beautiful, but on the inside, it feels kind of cold. It's and really
1: cold and impersonal.
0: Yeah, yeah. Whereas in Supergirl, like in the comics, they make it, you know, yeah, it looks it looks the same on the outside, but on the inside, it feels more personal.
1: Right, right. Because this is supposed to be Superman. This is, you know, the place he goes to get away and he's got all the memorabilia from, you know, Krypton and stuff like right. that. Right, so. yeah
0: yeah yeah so that that's uh and and that's a criticism i had about the the original movies as well is and also in lots of depictions like also in smallville have the same problem where this the fortress didn't feel didn't have any sort of personality to it it just felt very cold and alien and so i like that in supergirl they changed that and they added that personal touch to it and it makes it feel it, it it feels more connected to superman than than it does in all the other incarnations
1: right uh, okay. let me see what else before. Oh, can I talk a bit about how much I hate Superman's costume? Oh yeah,
0: book? I was going to mention that as well. Yeah, yes, oh, yeah. go 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 nuts.
1: Okay, first of all, the S shield. There there is a reason why it covers his whole chest, right? And it's good. No, it's good for the actor because it makes the actor's chest looks look. look you know, broader. Right. Yeah. You know, that teeny tiny little <laughs> S chest mm-hmm. or brand it doesn't do him any justice at all. No, not at all. You know, that thing is supposed to cover your whole chest. I mean, you're Superman, damn it. Yeah. With a big S. You know, those trunks he's wearing, I'm sorry. Those dainty little panties, I, mm. I, I you know, I can't go for it. I don't like the cape. The cape I didn't mind, but I don't like that the neckline is so high. Yeah, I don't like the neckline. I don't like the cape at all. The cape looks, you know, I don't know what it is. Cape looks like a blanket. It didn't look like a cape. It looked like a blanket. I'm sorry. I just don't like. I just don't like that costume. The blue looks. I don't know. The blue is too blue. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So it's supposed to be blue, but not that blue. It's like a I I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I just don't, I just don't like this
0: version. You know what? I like the Man of Steel costume better than I like this one. Oh, no. The Man of Steel costume is great. I thought that was yeah. a, that was a, that was a great way to update the costume. And, and um, yeah, I, I love the Man of Steel costume. Are you, you know what? I will not complain as much as I have to complain about the, the Zack Snyder movies. One complaint you will never hear come out of my mouth is about the costumes. Yeah like they the costumes are brilliantly done in those movies. Costumes are on point. Yep. Costumes yeah. on point. But yeah, in this movie, the you're right. The shield is too small, the um uh, the trunks are too are too narrow and it it yeah, it and um the boots also seem a little bit too short a little bit. Like they're not really, but just like the way they're designed. It just feels like they feel a little bit off and yeah. um I don't mind the darker red. I know a lot of people hated the darker red, but I actually kind of like it. It kind of reminded me of the 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 um the Flesher cereals. Oh, okay, I like, can see that. Yeah, so the darker red I like, but um, I agree with you. the The neckline I did not like, but the the cape I I never had any problem with the cape. But that that kind of surprised me when you said that because the cape looks totally fine to me. I never thought anything looked weird about it, other than just the neckline being too high. Okay. Also, um, I don't like the, the double S shield. Right? He's got the shield on his chest and he's got the, the he's also got it on his belt buckle.
1: On his belt buckle, yeah, yeah which is yeah. unnecessary. It's yeah.
0: unnecessary, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't like that. Um But but other than that, yeah, uh yeah, the, the suit is one of the biggest failings of this movie. And if you would put him in something that was um even if you just put him in the same thing he wore back in the or here's a here's an image I can show you real quick. someone did a, a, an edit to it, and they kind of made the the shield bigger and the trunks bigger and it looks a lot better. so I'm going to show you this. but
1: if you uh, yeah, but even in legends, he was in the, the real Superman costume,
0: and you saw how good he looked in that. right. so if you look at this, you see this picture here someone made a, made an edit to it where they made the trunks bigger and they made uh, they made the shield bigger and oh they, yeah, they brightened up the red and and they also reduced the neckline too, and it looks much better like and even that yeah like that and that's a di- slightly different from the classic suit but it still has that same feel that I think it would have been a, a good here's another one someone made here and you see this they just kind of removed the trunks and they made it look a little bit more regal which not quite as big a fan of this but I can see why I could I I it is it is better you see this one here I'm talking about someone, yeah. yeah I'm
1: looking at it right now yeah I you know what anything looks better than a Especially that S, S shield. See, me, I'm a big believer in the shield covering his entire chest.
0: Right, exactly. You yeah, know, I when agree you, with you
1: that. When he pulls his shirt open, you, that's what you ought to see. You ought to see this big... If you're a bad guy,
0: mm-hmm. you should see this big S coming right at you. Yeah. Now, although I will say, I do like the slight redesign they did to the S. I like that little... The little. You know, it's kind of like... it. It's got the classic... It feels like the classic symbol, but it's also got just... It's just slightly different and I think, and I like it. I like the way they redesigned the S shield. Okay. Although I do agree with you, it should have been much bigger on his chest. And like I said, it works
1: for the actor as well because it gives the illusion that his chest is wider. is right. bigger. Yeah, you know? exactly. It works for him as well. I mean, because now you got that
0: tiny little chest. It only shows how narrow Brandon Ralph's chest really is. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think yeah. it's it's not so much because he put on like twenty pounds of muscle for this movie, but the problem is that suit doesn't really do him any favors. No, it doesn't. Yeah, not at all. That's the big problem. Um, let's see what else did I wanted to talk about. Oh,
1: uh, what else? Uh, they get a lot of use out of the John Williams Superman theme song in this movie.
0: Yeah. Oh, also, I did remember something else I wanted to mention. You, when you mentioned the John Williams theme, it reminded me because. If you remember, one of my biggest criticisms of Superman in the movie was the scene where he goes flying with Lois Lane and she has that really bad poem narration voiceover. Yeah. Like, yeah, I hated my mind. Yeah, I hated that poem. Everybody it's, does, except yeah, for me. You're like, the only one who likes it.
1: <laughs> I'm the only one who likes it. Yeah, everybody. You know, even people who love this movie today, they hate that
0: scene. Yeah, yeah. So, I, and, and remember, if you remember what I said back then is that I thought that scene would have worked so much better if you keep everything, you keep the, you keep the music, you just remove Margot Kidder's voiceover and that scene mm. works perfectly. They did that in this movie. Yes. Like when he's, when he and Lois are flying. Oh there's, yeah. yeah. There's no dialogue, oh, yeah. no voice. It's just the instrumental music and, and like just them flying and it, and it works perfectly.
1: But yeah, you, that's it. Yeah, that's the. Yeah, that's yeah. That singer doing his version of the, you know, that scene. But like you said, he does it the way everybody wants to see it, with no voiceover. You know, just the music.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh. And I, I think it works much better. It feels more. First off, it makes you. It doesn't. The voiceover distracts from the majesty of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Right and. The the voiceover I feel it I feel the voiceover always kind of distracts from me the fact that you know well look at what they're doing, look at what they're seeing. Here, Singer puts you right in there and lets you feel what they're seeing. So I I, I thought that they did a good job with that. And oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, listen, I
1: like that scene because I like what the scene represents. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the purest way for Superman and Lois to fall in love.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because
1: the one thing about Superman, okay, here's the one thing that we always love about Superman. He flies. Mm-hmm. As somebody, as Zod asks Lex Luthor in Superman 2, does he fly? Lex says, constantly. Yeah, yeah. He, he flies. How does he fly? Nobody knows. They, mm-hmm. they there have been reams of web pages and books and dissertations and papers speculating on why Superman flies. He just flies. Just at, accept right. I
0: mean, At the
1: core of it, it doesn't matter. He flies, yeah. and this is a gift that he shares with Lois.
0: Yeah, and I mentioned and that-,
1: that, and that's what makes that scene so powerfully emotional, at least for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I and I mentioned this too at the when we talked about Superman is that I remember when in the eighties when John Byrne rebooted Superman he tried to explain everything through like some form of telekinesis like he's got a oh yeah and I'm just yeah. like just let people enjoy it. like why do you got to go and over explain everything who gives a shit really. Yeah, he flies. Yeah. I d I don't know. Uh um, <laughs>
1: that, that's why he's Superman. It's like, why does Batman have a can of shark repellent in the
0: Batcopter? He's Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why does Superman fly? Because he's Superman. Oh, um, uh, that reminds me. I just finished reading this uh this indie comic. Um Sean Ali uh brought brought it to my attention called uh The Wrong Earth. Uh uh-huh. and, and it's like this um it's it's this idea of like what if the the 66 Batman and like the, the, and like the, I guess maybe the, the Snyder Batman switched earths.
1: And it's got
0: kind of like that. And it's, so it's like, you've got the 60s and they're, they, the character's name is Dragonfly. Um, and there's a scene where he's, um, he's the 60s, the 60s version is in the, the darker, grittier earth. And, um, he gets shot by like a bunch of gang members. They, they just start pumping him full of bullets and he gets out, he's fine. Like, how are you okay? He's like, oh, I sprayed myself with um, uh, bullet repellent spray. <laughs> 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 oh, that's great. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I love it. And uh, then you have, uh, you got the grittier dragonfly. He's in the, he's in the, the like the 60s version and he's in the car and he's like connected to like his supercomputer back in his doppelganger's lair. And he says like, wait a minute, I wonder if I can use this. And he just asks it to locate the villain and it locates it right away. He's like, Oh my God, <laughs> this is great. Why did I, I have one of these? all along?"
1: <laughs>
0: oh man. I got to get that the wrong earth, the wrong earth. Yeah. It's pretty good. Oh, okay. book. <laughs> oh, um, so, um, see what else do I want to mention here? Um, Oh, the kryptonite island. Like, like, or just, no, no, before that, like just that whole, the whole sequence when Superman is flying to, to go rescue Lois and Jason. Mm-hmm. Now he knows Richard's going, right? Because Richard says, you know, I, I'm going to go out there in the seaplane. And then he sees what's about to happen to Metropolis. And he can hear like the destruction already starting to come. And he flies back. Like that, like that, he has to choose you know he has to prioritize right which which is the which is the which is the greater need like that's that's a i love that moment because in that moment he he decides you know well i know richard's going there so i'm gonna hope that he can handle it and i'll come back later and i'm gonna take care of the people of metropolis right now like this is a superman who saves people who cares about saving lives like that okay whole, okay okay here, okay. Here's
1: another thing I love about Superman and what makes him a unique character. As far as I know, he's the only superhero that flies around the world looking for natural disasters to stop and people to save. Right. Yeah. That's his thing. That's what he does. I, exactly. I mean, okay. I always get the complaint from people. Well, I want to see a Superman movie where he punches somebody. Yeah. Okay. Well, Superman does occasionally punch somebody, but that's not his main thing. Yeah. His main thing, if you remember from Superman the movie, we got a whole bunch of scenes where he was flying around the world trying to stop disasters.
0: He was holding up the bridge. He caught the you know, the school bus. Whenever, so, whenever I remember getting in so many arguments with people over this movie back when it first came out, and I remember people, like the most common complaint was, well, this movie sucks because Superman never throws a punch. And I'm like, well, you know what other movie ha- didn't have Superman throwing a punch? Superman the movie. He, never throws, a punch movie, in, he yeah. never throws a punch in that movie either. Right. As a matter of fact, you know what? You could have 30 minutes of
1: Superman flying around saving people, just playing the Superman theme, and I'd be happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could do that, because that's what Superman does. Right. And And again, this is another way that shows... Uh, the relationship. If they had ever did a sequel to this, I'd have really like to see a uh, friendship grow between Superman and Richard because he trusts the guy. You yeah. know, he says, okay, yeah, okay. He seems like a capable dude. I know he loves Lois. He's going to do everything he can to help uh, the people of Metropolis need me more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and he says, okay, I'm going to go save them. And that's what he does because
0: that's what Superman does. Yeah, that's one of the things this movie does the best out of any Superman movie to date is it really showcases in spectacular fashion because yeah, Superman the movie did it as well, but they didn't really have the technology to really convey it. But this movie, like it shows how amazing it can be to watch Superman flying around saving people. Like when he saves the space shuttle and the airplane. Right, it's such a, like it's so different from the, the helicopter scene and the Air Force One scene, right? Because in those, it's just very quickly done. Right, there's no there's no real spectacle to it, but this it's Oh. oh man, this is spectacle. It's very it's like that's one thing Singer did perfectly is he showcased Superman's abilities better than anyone else.
1: Yeah, like when he's got the plane and he's holding on to it, and the plane is going into the stadium, and just at the very last minute, Superman puts his legs up under it, and he's in,
0: "And you see the plane ripple." The skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was a great touch. Well, that was something else. Um, so one of the times I saw this movie, it was with um, a friend of mine who was, uh who's got a like um a master's or a PhD or something in physics, right? And as we were watching this movie, you know. After the end of it, I'm like, what do you think? He's like, you know what I really liked about it? I'm like, what? And he's like, the physics actually makes sense. Mm. He's like, the physics in this movie, they actually make sense. And he compared it to Spider-Man 2. He's like, the physics in Spider-Man 2 were complete nonsense. But in Superman 2, they actually made an effort to make sure everything fits together. He said that he really liked that touch about it. So, and I, that, and that's like, like the, the scene when he does, like he pushes the the hole in the in the front of the in the nose of the plane that kind of ripples out that was like to yeah. prevent like shock waves or something like that i can't remember exactly what his explanation was but he explained it to me and he's like that's why he does it and that's like, that makes perfect sense in that scene
1: and, and see like, to me that is the best way to introduce superman in any movie have him saving somebody cuz that's what superman does yeah exactly you know all that that stuff with super villains and everything like that it's like the fantastic four I tell everybody, okay, who is the Fantastic Four? The Fantastic Four is a family of scientific adventurers. Mm -hmm. Their actual job in the Marvel Universe is to go out and explore those areas of the Marvel Universe no other Marvel character goes in. Right. They expand the boundaries of the Marvel Universe. They go to the negative zone and... And they go into outer space and they go to other dimensions. Fighting supervillains is something, you know, that comes with the territory. That's on the side. But right. that's not their primary job. Do- like the Avengers. The Avengers, that's their thing. They fight supervillains. Yeah. You know, that's their, you know, that's, you know, that's their profile. Mm-hmm. That's their mission statement. That's not the mission statement for, you know, the Fantastic Four. Right. You know, Superman, his thing is he saves. People Now, yeah, occasionally he may have to fight a supervillain along the way, but it's not like he actively goes out and looks for the parasite and says, no. OK, well, I got to beat up the parasite. You know? No, his primary motivation is he wants to save as many people as possible. Exactly. <laughs> and that's like, why, like I said, he's the only superhero that I know that, OK, once he punches out as Clark Kent, he changes to Superman. And he goes flying around to India or, you know, or, right. I mean, you know, wherever. He finds a forest fire to put out. Yeah, Or exactly. he stops a tsunami or
0: something. Yeah, that's what he does. Superman is just a superhuman search and rescue. A that, bingo. That, that's exactly what he's supposed to be. Like, he's not necessarily a crime fighter. He's a crime fighter by consequence if it happens. Right. If it, it happens, if he
1: happens to hear, like, oh, okay, somebody's trying to rob the bank. Like yeah. they did in this uh, movie. Like, he's hovering above the earth.
0: Oh, and he's and, got his
1: super hearing tuned in. He's listening to all this stuff and he hears a bell go off and he says, Oh, okay. Well, let me go see what this is
0: all about. That I was mean. such a, that was such a great, that was such a great uh, moment when he's up there above the earth and he just hears everything. And like, you yeah. can imagine what it, like they did a really good job of portraying that. And then he, and again, that's another great scene where he's flying around, he's stopping crime and he's saving people. And the, the memorable scene when the when the guy walks up to him, points the gun at his face, and fires the bullet, and it smashes against his eye, and then Brandon Routh just has this little smirk on his face. Yeah, he got this little, <laughs> got this little smirk. See, you're not supposed. See, Superman, you're not supposed to enjoy your powers, but you know. But no, and you, and, yeah. and I'm glad they show him doing that because that was like in the in the first movie when um El says to him after his first night, and he's like, and you know. And Superman's talking about how he's like, how good it felt to, to save people and to use his powers and to, to do good. Like, and that's, that's the, fe- I get the feeling that Brandon Routh as, as Superman is really enjoying being Superman in those scenes. Well, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I love the, yeah. I love that whole Baker Robinson. I love the first of all, because they managed to get in the whole faster than the speeding bullet. Yeah. Thing yeah. Thing. Cause we see the bullets coming out and they slow down and then all of a sudden you see superman he and he's racing the bullet and he gets ahead yeah, yeah. of it yeah so i said oh cool faster than
0: speed and bullet <laughs> yeah know? yeah yeah and then also um and when he's when the when luther's continent is causing the destruction of the Metro- of metropolis and he flies through like he's and he's using his powers in smart ways right like he's using yeah. his heat vision to uh vaporize the glass He's um, using his freeze breath to his super breath to blow out the the fire, like it. And he's just every everything he's doing. He's going and he's saving. Although one thing I think they should have done it would have been a nice Easter egg is he saves the construction worker, right? Uh huh. I think that should have been a black actor because then you got a you had a tie in for John Henry Iron to become Steel in the comics. Oh, who, okay. who was also rescued by Superman from a from a high rise
1: yeah right yeah when he falls off of the uh he falls
0: off of the construction site yeah yeah so he says a construction worker who falls but it's a white guy but it's a white guy you're right yeah i think they missed a they missed a good opportunity for an easter egg to have that be a black guy and then to have like a hint of that's that guy will become steel
1: but you make an excellent point where you say that we get to see superman use. The full range of all his superpowers mm-hmm. in very smart, intelligent ways, like you say, yeah, yeah, you know,
0: and that was a that was a really nice touch. It's, he's not just using his powers to blow shit up and destroy the city, right. and he's not, and it, he's not, you know, completely. He cares about the people who are in danger, whereas in in Man of Steel, where he drags Zod out from the middle of a cornfield, chucks him into a gas station in the center of Smallville. And stands there and waits. And his advice to the people is, "Stay inside." And they're standing <laughs> behind wooden doors and they're locking them. Like that's gonna do shit.
1: <laughs> Stay inside. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Like that's like that's gonna do any good. I mean,
0: Superman literally brought Zod to a populated area. He took see, him that from mo- it oh, that movie. Oh. Yeah, uh, yeah, and see, that's
1: the one thing that you can never lose sight of is Superman. And I know, I hear this all the time. First of all, I hear from people, well, Superman, he's boring. My opinion, and we're going to lose some listeners right now. My Hmm. opinion, boring people think Superman is boring. Yeah. Superman is not boring. Superman cares about other people, which is another thing that separates him from other superheroes he cares about people. He would let a supervillain go first before it brought harm to innocence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's his whole thing. He cares about other people. He cares about other people being safe. Yeah. If you lose, if you lose that, then you lose a lot of what
0: makes the character great. And well, this I mean, is if, why- if you lose that, you're not doing a Superman story in my opinion. Yeah. You're, you're, just, you're just not. And it's Superman has to care about the people. They have to be his number one priority. It's not, and if you throw that away so that he can slug it out and level buildings with a supervillain, that's you're doing a real disservice to the character and what the character is about. And I'm never. Understood. I mean, if, if I mean, if you just want to see two super powerful guys slugging it out without concern about collateral damage, go watch Dragon Ball Z. Exactly. Which, which,
1: please don't let me get started on Dragon Ball Z. Talk <laughs> about bo- talk about boring. uh. <laughs> But yeah, but and me, I've never understood people that want to turn Superman into something that he's not. Yeah. You know, don't take away what makes him a unique character. And don't tell me, well, you can't write good stories about Superman because he's too powerful. Well, no, because you don't have the necessary uh, talent and imagination to think
0: of stories to write about a character this powerful. Grant Morrison wrote the most powered up super version of Superman ever in comics. Thank you. In, in All-Star Superman, he had Superman's powers increase like a hundredfold or something. And he was yeah. more powerful than he'd ever been in his entire existence. And guess what? Time after time, after time, after time, you ask people, what is the best Superman story ever written? All-star, All-star, Superman. Superman. All-Star Superman, where he was the most powerful that he's ever been. Because the reason is because Grant Morrison understands Superman. Alan Moore understood Superman. That's why what uh, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow is considered one of the greatest Superman stories. That's why, for the man who has everything, is considered one of the greatest Superman stories. Oh, yeah. The man who has yeah. Yeah. Mark Waid, birthright, right? These guys, um, they understood what a Superman story is. They understood what that character is. And they wrote stories about that character. They don't change him into something he's not because they're lazy or because they don't like the character. You don't like Superman. Don't write a Superman story. Don't, there you go. Don't write Superman
1: story. If you want to write a story about an all powerful character that goes around beating up people and killing people, you know, we well, go write somebody else. Go, exactly. write that chari- go write that
0: character. Yeah. Go make a Supreme movie. So yeah, it's just like, I I, I don't understand people who are like, well, I never liked the character that way. So I have to change it. No, just find a character that you do like, don't, don't completely twist it into something it's not and piss off all the fans of the character just because you want something different. That's it's first off, it's, it's, it's uncreative as hell, right? It's late. It's creatively lazy. And second, it's just arrogant. you know, to think that, well, I don't like this, so I have to change it, so I will like it. No, you don't. Just find yeah, something you exactly do it. Right, exactly. You're changing it because that's what you like. Right. It, it's selfish, it's arrogant, and it's yeah. just, I, and I'm tired of seeing that. You like can't
1: see, you can't see me right now, but I'm standing up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, you know what? I gotta I, give it, I gotta give it to you. Very well said. Yeah, and that's, that's why the best superhero movies are the ones that you find guys, you find people who do care about these characters, who th- understand them. And, yeah, maybe they make some changes to update or modernize it. But at the core, the characters are true to who they've always been. Exactly. Yeah, Captain America in the movies, he's much more laid back than Captain America in the comics. Right? He's much more of, you know, he, Captain America in the comics, they sometimes write him as a grandpa.
1: Uh-huh.
0: But in the movies, you know, he feels like a modern guy, even with his, his backstory. He, he still feels like a modern a guy who's living in the modern world. He feels exactly. like a young guy. So yeah, that's a change. But at his core, he still has those values, right? He's still fighting for the ideals of America, the ideals of freedom and liberty. And he's still, at his core, a decent guy. Yeah, maybe he curses a little bit more, but that's it.
1: And let me ask you something since we are on this particular uh line of uh character investigation. Mm-hmm. Cuz I know a lot of people have a problem with it. And these are the same people that said, well, you can't make a movie called Captain America because right. uh that will offend this one and offend this one and offend that one. Do you have a problem with the uh saying that superman stands for truth justice in the american way
0: um not really i just think it's kind of it is i think it's a bit archaic because superman tends to be more of a a global character Mm -hmm. and so i think there is a little bit of because the and also the thing about the american way part is that really came out in the during the 50s during the red scare right like but before that it was just truth and justice Mm-hmm. So my whole my old thing is like people saying like, oh, it's, it's so integral to Superman. Well, it's really not. It's, it wasn't there to begin with. So I don't really have a problem with it one way or the other.
1: Oh, okay. Um, I Because I noticed, noticed that's in this movie, I didn't pick up on it before. But that's what Perry White said. Perry White says, yeah, does he still stand for truth and justice? Yeah, truth,
0: justice, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, Right, well, and
1: all that stuff, yeah.
0: Well, you got to remember, when this came out as well, it was at the height of the Iraq war. So, and America's, I mean, now America's standing is probably even worse than it was back then. But America's standing yeah. was like the worst it had been in like 50 years at that point. So I understand why they didn't put that in the movie because they had an international market to think of. So I think that, that, that made sense. It didn't, it didn't fit. And it wasn't told in the, like in this, when they used, when he used truth, justice, the American way, they were able to make a commentary on it. When uh, when Lois said you're going to end up fighting every elected official in the country, right? Jean? Right.
1: Yeah, like, I remember. Yeah. But
0: in this, in this, they didn't really have that moment to do some sort of commentary on it, so I understand why they left it out. Gotcha. Hmm. Very good, thank you. But yeah, yeah. I, in general, I don't have a problem with it. Like one of my favorite Superman stories is actually titled "What's So Funny About Truth, Justice, and Truth the Justice Way. in the American Way." Yeah, right. I was yeah. thinking about that too. Yeah. So yeah, they use that, and that's one of my favorite Superman stories ever. Like, I don't have a problem with it, but, and, well, also the thing about Superman is that I always find it hilarious when um, xenophobic conservatives get pissed off about Superman, like them changing something about Superman's patriotism or something, when Superman himself is an illegal immigrant. Well, he's the ultimate immigrant story. He's the ultimate immigrant story. He's an illegal immigrant. He's a refugee, literally a refugee. Yeah, literally a refugee, yeah. Yeah. And then he, he's raised here. He ends up adopting these values and he ends up fighting for them. But he also fights on a global level. He doesn't just fight for America. And that's, I think that's one of the things, that's the only reason, the only quibble I have with the American Way thing is that Superman's so much bigger than just one country. Mm. Is, that's just how I feel about it. Very profound. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate your insight. No. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Now I also want to talk about the um the Kryptonite Island. Because this or just like they those scenes when he goes and he rescues uh Lois, Richard, and Jason from the from the sinking ship. And right there's that like I, I, I even get kind of chills thinking of thinking about remembering when you just hear that slow build to the music and you see the feet land on it. And then you just see the shield in the window as he pulls it up. And then it cuts yeah. to, to Brandon Routh coming out of the water and he's just holding on. And there's this massive ship. And he's like this small speck. He's pulling this whole, this whole
1: cause it's like half of the ship is falling in, into the water. It's broken yeah. apart. And that thing is
0: honking huge. Man. It is. Yeah. And then he's holding it with one hand. He pulls the door off and he reaches his hand in for Richard to take. And he's like, do you have them? And he's like, yeah, I've got them both. And he just lets it go. and It's like so effortless while he's just hovering yeah. there it's such a the the way singer films superman using his powers like you realize that it feels like superman
1: and he's so calm about he so he said he says do you have them Right. he's not sure what he's yeah i
0: got him. i got okay and he just lets the ship go you know? well, it was like we said about you know and um like remember when we talked about superman in the movie and i was talking about how rat morrison's theory of superman is that because nothing can hurt him because he's so powerful he's someone who would just be relaxed all the time and yeah. we talk, we talked about that christopher reeve scene when he's being interviewed by lois and he's just sitting there very relaxed and casual on her terrace i the, there's a lot of that in brandon routh too and the way he's yeah, using he's his just, powers yeah he's just chill you know yeah. Like,
1: yeah well you know he's like, yeah okay well as long as you got him okay and he yeah lets the ship go. like it's not it, like and he does the same thing that Christopher Reeve does. I mean, when it comes to flying, it's it's as if he's okay. The actual effort is for him to stay on the ground because when he gets ready to fly, he doesn't jump or mm. or you know, it's not an effort for him to get into the air. Yeah, he yeah. He just
0: goes. He just whoosh, and you know, and he's gone. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like when I'm he
0: when he when he saves when he rescues Kitty from the car. And she's like demanding that he take her to a hospital. And he's like, okay, okay, all right, just calm down. And yeah. it's just like, it's like he just takes a step and he just like hovers yeah. gently off the ground. Yeah, and he's gone. Or like when he, when, when he takes Lois from the, the roof of the Daily Planet and she says to him, you know, you know, Richard always takes me flying all the time. And then he says, not like this. And then she looks down and she suddenly realized he took off and she didn't even notice. He
1: took off, exactly. That's, that, that is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. She looks down. He took off. She didn't even, feel, she didn't
0: even know it. Yeah. We don't need this shit where like he charges up and there's like cracks appearing in the ground and all that. And yeah, he caused an earthquake. No. As, no, it's just, it's effortless for him. Again, that's not super. Exactly. Flight is effortless for him.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it comes as natural to him as breathing. I, uh, yeah, I always loved the flying scenes in this movie and when Christopher Reeve does it because it's like, it's effortless.
0: Exactly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, and then when he, uh, a lot of people complain about him having the strength to go and lift the the kryptonite island, but I thought they handled that really well because they show you, right after they Lois pulls the the remain the kryptonite shard out of him, and then he he flies up above the cloud. He bathes in the in the solar energy first. In the solar energy, yeah, yeah. And that, like that, I can't think of any movie that is really shown not live action that's really shown that like how he gets his power from the sun it's like okay i know people like you said have
1: had a problem with that and i've always and i've always cited that scene i said well he flies
0: up and gets like a supercharge. right you see him he's like he's sitting there he looks like he's you know taking a hot shower almost right exactly and then and that is that is his hands tighten the fist and, it's, and you're like oh yeah shit's about to go down right so he's getting like a
1: he's you know Charging up,
0: mm-hmm. so yeah. he
1: can have the strength, you know, because he knows he's got to lift this thing up out of the water, yeah, and carry it into out. He's got to carry it, you
0: know, so he's got to carry it quite ways. Now that's so, another know. example of an epic scene, like when the the island just the continent's rising up out of the sea, and then like the peat, the chunks are falling down, and then you see it's Superman there holding it all up on his shoulders. Right, that is, yeah, that it, it's. There's so many epic moments like this, and the story, the script has lots of problems, but it's totally over... I, at least I feel those script problems, the whole thing with, with Jason, the, the problems with Lois, the fact that it's basically a remake of Superman the movie, all that stuff is overshadowed for me by those epic scenes. Yeah, it's got...
1: Okay, as we said earlier, just like the X-Men movie yeah this movie has got flaws. There are some things I was watching last night. I was looking at it, and yeah, you know, like one of my eyes would half closed under certain mm-hmm. things at the end of that. But let me say this: those little things does not spoil my overall enjoyment of the movie, and I see the love and the respect that singer has for the mm. character in this movie and It's kind of hard to argue against that, yeah, you know it's hard for me to argue against a guy who who has such love and respect for this character. And he wanted to present his version of the movie that he no doubt grew up loving. Yeah. That's the yeah. best way I could put it. He he obviously grew up loving the original Superman movie and he wanted to make his version of it, which, which this is. I mean, yeah. there's no way of getting around it. This is basically, you know, uh Superman the movie filtered through his consciousness. Mm-hmm. But you know, I can't find it in my heart not to recommend this movie because of the flaws. Some movies, yes, I can say not nah, mm-hmm. say that, but no. For all of its flaws, I cannot, in all good conscience, say, well, you shouldn't see this. Because yeah. because Brian Singer has such love and respect. If there's any the major flaw of it is that that love and respect and reverence Yeah, gets in the way of him what i think doing his really his own take on it yeah
0: yeah and um also i like that they had a ava marie Marie saint was also a uh she's a very small role as martha kent but i am glad they gave her they they met they have something to do with martha in this movie
1: yes me too and do
0: you notice that they had the the photo of um uh glenn ford who played uh was it Glenn Ford who played Pa Kent in the original? Yeah, Glenn yeah. Ford, and they got his photo framed in the in the background in um, in yep, house. Glenn, I like that.
1: Glenn Ford, and who, gave, um, who was, uh, was only in the movie for what, about like two minutes? But that was the most that was the most memorable two minutes in any superhero movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, and actually played a Jonathan Kent as Jonathan Kent is supposed to be played.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah you know, not telling him to hide from everything. Um, But yeah, I, um, and I also like that. uh, Oh, so here's, here's something interesting about this. So General Zod was originally supposed to be in this movie too. Oh God, I'm so tired of General Zod. Well, I don't blame you, but they, they wanted, um, Singer wanted Jude Law to play General Zod, which I think would have been, I, I think Jude Law would have done a great job playing that character. And, uh, but Jude Law refused multiple times. And so Singer didn't want anyone other than Jude Law. So after like the third or fourth time he refused, Singer just took the character out of the script.
1: Jude, you know what? General Zod should be like the Joker. It should be like five years before we see him in any Superman movie.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, um, well, apparently after the movie came out though, Jude Law saw it and he loved it. And then after that, he's like, hey, so can I be in the sequel? So they were talking about- they were talking about doing a sequel with Brainiac and uh, Jude Law was probably in the running to play Brainiac in that movie. Which would have been, um, which I think would have been a really, because Singer had said like at, um, you know, everyone says this movie was such a failure, but it actually, it was the highest grossing DC movie at the time. It outgrossed Batman Begins. Uh,
1: Warner Brothers, which really amazed me. Warner Brothers said that they were
0: unhappy with how much this movie made this movie made something like 300 million dollars well you know what they changed they changed their minds about it because at first they said they were happy with the numbers and then later they said they weren't yeah and so (laughs) yeah and again yeah like you said there's a perception this movie was it was not a flop it made a lot of damn money made a lot of money it was the highest grossing dc movie it made more money than batman begins that's just a fact and um and yeah and they, had go- they were going to go ahead with the sequel. They were going to do, it was going to be called Man of Steel. Singer was going to come back to direct it. Brandon Routh was under contract to come back. They were talking to Jude Law about playing Brainiac. And Singer had said at, um, at a comic convention, I think it was, and he said, you know, now that we've kind of reestablished Superman being back in the world, the next movie we can go all Wrath of Khan. Like he wanted to go full out and do a lot more action and spectacle in the next movie, which I think would have been, a lot better than the Man of Steel we got.
1: The problem with Warner Brothers is, is that you know what? Uh the movie didn't make as much money as they wanted it to make. They wanted right. it to make like, a, they wanted it to make like, I don't know, like a billion bucks. Yeah, the, you know. And I mean, you know, once it didn't do that, then they started saying, ah, well, the movie we wasn't happy with how I much. Mean, I don't understand how you cannot be happy with a movie that's made you $300 million.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, so, yeah, I think we would have gotten a much better Man of Steel had Warner Brothers gone ahead with their sequel. There are problems with this movie, just like there are problems with the first X-Men movie. But I think just like with X2, Singer would have hit his stride in um, a Superman Return sequel.
1: Well, yeah, because now he's done established the new status quo, mm-hmm. and which is really all this movie is. Exactly, it's just a setup for the new status quo. Yeah. So once he got that out the way, yeah, we could because he still had everybody. We still got Lex Luther out there because we see him at the end of the movie. Him and uh, his girlfriend there on the island. They mm-hmm. ran out of
0: gas. Up, you, oh, uh, you know what? This is karma coming back on the dog. Because <laughs> yeah. Because he's because she says, Well, what are we going to eat? And they and Lex
1: looks at the dog and the expression on the dog's, I don't know how they got that expression on the dog, but the dog is like, Oh, shit. yeah, you
0: can
1: see it on the dog's face. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, Car- yeah, Karma's getting ready to bite you. Mm,
0: Pookie. <laughs> and also, we see that. Um, so you know, I think this like this movie needs to make clear what exactly happened between Superman and Lois five years ago. Because she, she's like she's surprised to see Jason has powers, but you get the sense that she's known all along it was Superman. Yeah, and yeah, yet yeah. she doesn't know that Superman and Clark are the same people. So that makes the you more, wonder, like the amnesia—if they're going with the amnesia kiss, was it? Did it just erase his memory of her, uh, her memory of him as Superman? And so she still believes that they they slept together and all that, or was it just like? You know, for example, like, you remember the, um, they did the Superman, um, uh, Superman Doomsday animated movie? Uh-huh. And it had Superman and Lois in a relationship in that movie, even though Lois didn't know his secret identity. So, I wonder if it was something like, kind of a sim- similar thing to that, where her and Superman were in a relationship, they slept together, maybe they, they broke up or something, and then he had to go back, go and find Krypton. So I'm not sure exactly. Well, you're right about,
1: no, well, you're right about that one thing about uh, Jason. The movie is definitely trying to have his cake and eat it, too, because, yeah, they try to give you the impression, yeah, like Lois knows that her son does have superpowers. But then there's other times where, like you said, the
0: thing with the piano, she actually, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I think not that she knows he has superpowers, but that she she knows he's Superman's son. Yeah. that that's... Well, she tells him. Yeah, and then she tells him that when he's in the hospital. When he's and in then, the hospital, yeah. And then there's that great scene when he goes, when Jason is sleeping, and he recites, he repeats the lines, his the last words his father said to him. Right, exactly. Like, I, lo- I love that little, um, and it, that that puts that in such great context, the last line, the son becomes the father and the father the son. Right. That, and like that, I exactly. said, it sets up the whole
1: thing because Lois sees him leaving and she says oh you're going to be around right He says yeah yeah i'll be around so now you got to think this okay where is their relationship going to go now mm-hmm. now that he knows he has a son and you know what is she going to tell richard they still going to have a relationship because you don't really want to see a breakup with richard because damn the guy risked his life to save her and her kids, you know right. to, you know he's okay dude yeah he's a good guy yeah yeah huh. Now he's a, um, he's a stand-up guy. You don't want to see him get hurt. So it would have been interesting seeing how that would have developed. But you had to do something different right. other than the whole thing with uh Superman and Clark being rivals, mm-hmm. you know. For I mean, you know, that's the one thing that I do give this movie credit for that it said, okay, we're gonna do something different yeah. with this whole Clark and Superman and Lois thing. We're gonna actually bring in a
0: real rival, you know. And it's not going to be a rival who's totally wrong for – who's totally bad for Lois like they did with – because they did that in um, Lois and Clark, right? They brought Lex Luthor in as a romantic rival for Clark. Right. But that doesn't work as well because Lex Luthor's an evil son of a bitch. Exactly. So here it works because Richard is – so in that one, you're always rooting for Clark. But in this one, you're watching this and you're like, well, you know what – yeah, Clark's the main character and all, but I kind of like Richard a lot too. Yeah, exactly. You know what you're saying to yourself. You know what? If she
1: ends up with Richard, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bitch about it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Yeah, I
0: wouldn't complain if she ends up with Richard. Like you said before, they they do a good job of showing like these are mature adults involved in this situation. Exactly, and they're exactly. trying to find a way to navigate it through navigate through it. Like I said, this isn't
1: like two high school jocks fighting right. over cheerleader. These are all adults, they're mature adults and they're trying to navigate their way through this sticky situation in an adult manner. Exactly, which I exactly. Really, which I really appreciated. It, you know, that, That's an aspect of this movie that I really enjoy and I really
0: think that they nailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, um, now one of, the, one of the most contentious scenes in this movie is when Superman goes to Lois and Richard's house and he uses X-ray vision. Like, lots of people have bitched about that that scene and, you know, called it, like, Super Stalker and all that. Uh, What what did you think of that scene? Okay. My,
1: okay, my feeling is, is that, okay, stalking is something that is done over a sustained period of time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Superman went... Because he didn't know what her home life was like with this guy, Richard. Mm-hmm. He didn't know if it was happy, if it was contentious. He was curious. He wanted to know what their life, you know, at home was like. And mm-hmm. he looked in and he saw that, you know, the kid was playing and they were making dinner together and you know everything looked all right and everything like that. And you notice that once they started talking because Richard and Lois, once they started getting into this heavy conversation. He turned off his X-ray vision and he flew away. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Me, personally, I don't see it as stalking. I do not see that scene as stalking. Superman was scared. Okay. Here's the perfect thing. Everybody talk about, well, Superman, he's not relatable. What is more relatable than a guy who's in love using his superpowers to try to find out, well, is this girlfriend really in love with this other guy?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Now, I think... I agree with you for the most part I, I think the scene's a little problematic Looking back on it and, um, and also like the scene when he's Almost when he takes her flying it's all, And when he, she says you know Richard always takes me flying And he says not like this with kind of a smile And it feels like he's trying to compete in that moment Well of course he is Well yeah that, that felt a little Because yeah well Richard's taking you flying But not like this Yeah it felt a little childish yeah. for me for, super, for a Superman thing to do um but, but but it but he they kind of rectify it when he drops her off and like we said before then he pulls away from her right that so but And. and the scene when he goes to their house it's a little it's a little skeevy but it's i it, i agree with you i think people have made way too much out of it
1: yeah they way they made way too much you know what it would have been stalkerish if they had been in bed together and he was yeah. watching them yeah, that, that would have been, yeah, that, now that would have been downright perverted. But no,
0: he did you know they're in the you know, they're in the kitchen like I said, or even if yeah. they were even if they were kissing, if they were in if they were kissing and he's just sitting there standing there watching. Right. That would have been it, creepy it, as well. Exactly. But when they're when they're just having this conversation and and it's not so and he's it's it, the thing he's most he seems most interested in is how does she really feel about me? Like, I think
1: he, I think that he's just trying to get a feel of is this a real relationship? You know, is she really in love with this guy? You know, yeah. is she really going out with him? Is she really going to take him home tonight? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that's what I really think. That he's just trying to get a, 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 you know, he's trying to get a handle on how serious this relationship is. Mm-hmm. And and know what? And I think it's kind of touching. That Superman is not above using his superpowers to try, <laughs> you know. It just shows he's as human as the rest of us. Yeah. And, you know, he says, okay, well, you know what? I know I'm not supposed to do it, but just this one time, mm-hmm. I'm not, you know. And like I said, once the conversation starts to get like kind of heavy and go in another direction, he turns off his, he's okay, that's enough. I done heard enough. And he yeah. flies off. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. You know what? Okay, let me put it this way because I tried to be objective and uh, I, see where people, I see where people would have a problem mm-hmm. with this, but for me personally, I think A, they're overthinking it mm-hmm. and B, they're reading too much into it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree That's with me. That. I agree yeah. with all that, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so um, anything, any final words on Superman Returns?
1: Uh, I think it's a good movie.
0: I do. I think it's a good
1: movie. It's got a lot. Yeah. And, and you good people have been listening to me and my good friend go on for the past two and a half hours, (laughs) which is, which is how long the movie is. Uh, It's got its problems, but Mm -hmm. it's a good Superman movie. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know what? Uh, I was asking on the uh, superhero cinephile group, um, I usually put two movies together and ask the members of the group, well, do you, okay, you like this one or do you like this one? And Mm -hmm. I had Superman Returns or Man of Steel. If I had a choice between this one or Man of Steel, I'm always going to pick this one. Same here.
0: Same here. Every single time.
1: I'm always going to pick this one.
0: Yeah. I would pick pick Superman Returns over Man of Steel every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yeah. To me, this is, you know what? Because... To me, this feels more like a
1: Superman movie. Right, right. You know, Man of Steel. Yes, it is a Superman movie, but you know what? It's for a certain type of person who sees Superman a different way than I do. Let me put it this way. I'm not knocking the movie. If you're a fan of that movie, please don't think I'm knocking it. If you love it, if you enjoy it, believe me, I'm glad for you. You should love what you love. But that's a move. But yeah, like I said, I, I feel that Man of Steel is made for fans of Superman who think of the character in a different way than I do. I I will always admit that I always see the character as being like in the mode of Christopher Reeve. To me, yeah. that's you know that's my Superman. Now, right. if Man of Steel, if that's your Superman, God bless you, enjoy. But
0: nah, that's I don't see him that way. I'm going to come out and say like, I am not going to Man of Steel <laughs> because it's, it's just, I hate this trend. where all superheroes. Like I love dark and gritty superheroes, right? We've, you know, we talked before, like, I, I think the Dark Knight's a great movie. You don't, you don't think you don't have, you got a different opinion of the Dark Knight. You don't think as much of it as I do, but I, I even though it's got some issues as a Batman, like I still love that movie. I still love the, the, the Tim Burton really dark and gritty Batman stuff. I love dark and gritty superheroes. Like, I, you know, I love the Punisher. Um, but I think there, I also love like the the bright and optimistic superheroes like Superman, like Captain America. There's a place for both. They don't all have to be the same. And that's, and I feel that Man of Steel does to Superman and Snyder's movies do, did to the, the DC characters what, the comics industry was doing to these icons back in the, in the, in the nineties, right. Mm -hmm. When they had, when they had to make everything dark and gritty and everyone had to be wearing like massive shoulder pads and had to be, you know, had to be um, roughed up and all that, this kind of stuff. Like Batman had to be replaced by a guy who, who wore a big suit of armor and, you know, and killed criminals. And Superman had to, had to, um, had to go and he had to execute, Um, General Zod and the Kryptonians when they were When they were powerless and all this kind of stuff Like that's It was unnecessary is what what they were doing To those characters and it it, Again going back to to Watchmen And the Dark Knight Returns It took the wrong lessons from those comics And said well now we got to do this To all our heroes And that's to me is what Snyder's movies Did to, to the DC characters You know what's the best part of the Man of Steel What's that remember the first 20 minutes of the movie yes yes the first 20 minutes or everything up until the up like everything up until the point like right after his first flight the first time flying i could that, that i'm talking about the krypton part the, the krypton say, part was good too yeah yeah i could i could have seen a whole movie set on krypton yeah the krypton stuff was great he made it feel like a an, a live a lived in alien world that was great that, Matter, and, of
1: fact, that, matter of fact, that's the first time on screen I've ever seen a Krypton that made me say, you know something,
0: that'd be a pretty cool place to hang out at. Right. And then, um, and then right, right up until, but the movie as a whole, like w- with the exception of the, the stuff with, um, <clears throat> with, uh, with Jonathan, but the first part of that movie, when he, uh, when he puts on the suit for the first time and he tries flying uh-huh. and, and like, you see like the joy in Henry and Cavill's face. Up until that point, the movie is fine. The only, I've only, got, the only quibble I have is with um, the scene when, you know, Jonathan tells him, maybe you should have let those kids die. Right. That's the only quibble I've got with it. Because if, if you know, if I'm remembering the, the timeline of the movie correctly, Jonathan, they don't actually show how Jonathan dies until after he first flies as Superman. So, like, up until that point, everything works great. But then after that, he goes back to uh, Smallville. He meet, he sees Lois there, and he tells him, tells her the story of how his dad died. And from then on, it's just a complete downward trajectory. You know what I mean?
1: Uh, yeah. Listen, we're going to need another two and a half hours just to talk about Man of Steel whenever yeah. we get up to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know what that's a movie with his own set of issues that i am
0: that i am not qualified yeah, yeah. Or prepared to deal with <laughs> yeah all right. all right so uh so we got to get out of here now we've been ranting for uh for too long i just i sorry i just saw your message oh you just sent it right now so okay um but yeah so we got to wrap up now um so just to say that next week for um my pick i thought with all this stuff going on with the the um unidentified you know, stormtroopers going into Portland and all this, and just, like, all the lawlessness and, like, the the authoritarian tendencies. I thought this would be a good time to go back and look at uh, V for Vendetta. Oh, okay. I figure this is a, this movie is very timely right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: haven't seen, I haven't seen that movie. Oh, my God, I don't know how long.
0: Mm -hmm. I haven't
1: seen it in ages.
0: Yeah, but, yeah, V for, that definitely is a movie for our time. Exactly. Yeah. So, so join us uh, next week. We'll be talking about V for Vendetta. In the meantime, uh, head on over to the, the group, uh, Superhero Cinephiles on, uh, on Facebook. Join in the discussion. Um, you can toss us uh, a few bucks through our website, superhero cinephiles.com. Donate through the PayPal button. And, um, and yeah, and we will see you next time when we're talking about V for Vendetta okay thank you for
1: listening as always um good night god bless stay safe out there you know and uh, be good to each other watch some good movies and read some good books and we'll see you next week
0: yeah and make sure to wear a mask absolutely thanks for listening to the superhero cinephiles podcast if you have any questions or comments about this or any other episode or if you have a superhero movie or TV show you'd like us to cover in a future episode, you can email us at superherocinephiles at gmail.com or you can also visit us on the web at superherocinephiles.com If you like what you hear, leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Each review helps us reach more potential listeners. You can also support the show by renting or purchasing the movies discussed or by picking up our books, all of which can be accessed through the website, as well as find links to our social media presences. The theme music for this show is a shortened version of Superhero Showdown, a royalty-free piece of music courtesy of Pesleonstudios.com.